Hello and welcome to the Nash Tackle Off The Hook podcast. Just to make you aware, this podcast may contain some explicit slash offensive language. And if that's not your thing, you don't have to listen. But I have given you a warning. I hope you enjoy the rest of the show. You don't know the half of it, but yeah, um, I'm anyway. Time, yeah, I'm, on, I'm skating on the thinnest ice known to man. Like. He said, and um, they put a poison in the tank that just instantly kills them. He went, and we've run out of it, so we cut their heads off with shovels. Suddenly, bang! The whole boat exploded. Take your sort of eight-inch long piranha and imagine that at four, five, maybe six feet. I said, I've revived your dead fish. <laughs> F off, he said. You haven't. That was just humongous. It was, I couldn't believe what I was looking at. I'm just battling this fish out, and I'm, I know it's a black man. I'm, yeah. I'm saying I'll never be a naughty boy again. If you catch fish and you return them to the water, then you are my brother. Henry Lennon, welcome back to the podcast. You may be the first solo returner, mate, that I've had on the podcast. Really? Jesus, that's poor from you. (laughs) Not poor from me. You, and we're going to talk about it, I'm going to call it the year of the Lennon, mate. The year of the Lennon. Wow, that's a big claim, that. Normally, around Christmas time, and we're not there yet, I ask every member of the Nash team, who's been your Nash man of the year? And they're all going to vote for you unless they sort of come up with some sort of conspiracy not to vote for you. Which I wouldn't hold against them. (laughs) But you've had an incredible year of angling, mate. It's been pretty mental, isn't it? It's been ridiculous. To be fair, before we start, I do want to say that a lot of it does come down to the fact that a lot of my job this year has been to go fishing to make media content so has it been your job well I've, been, I've not had a year like this in terms of going out for filming so a lot there's you can only catch what's in front of you and all that so when i've been paid to go away for a week to go fish some amazing places that's definitely played a part in it but yeah it's been a ridiculous year you've also organized a fair few trips in between time haven't you mate they're not all filming mm. trips are they no oh no not at all no i think um what we'll talk about today, a couple of them will be, but a lot of them, yeah, have been personal ones. I've I've been very on it this year. I've been very much completely fishing head to the point where there's been times where I've just had to say to myself, right, Henry, like, you live in London, step away from it, go out, enjoy yourself, socialise, because I've been trying to do everything to make fishing everything for me this year. Um, yeah. Why been... is that Why is that in particular? Is it, is it you're inspired being around, or is it because um... you're at a time in your life where you think, I've got the opportunity to. I think it's a lot of, one, I just love it, like to the point where I'm just obsessed, constantly thinking about it. Even, it's, it always surprise, surprises me when, I mean, when I joined, people would always say, oh, you'll burn out with your fishing, working in the industry, you'll burn out, you'll, mm. people always do, they work there, it, That's that, get, that gives them their fishing fix, they don't go and, they then don't want to go out and fish, personally. But for me, it's not. It's just fueled it even more and more. And I've been exposed to, in the past couple of years especially, these different types of angling, these different places you can go. I just feel like the the carp fishing world's opened up even more to me and I just want to experience everything. Um, and I think that's why I've just had this desire just to spend as much time as possible <laughs> on the bank, basically. Fair play to you, mate. We all would if we could. D. The sort of bigger picture is you have an integral role and a very important role within the whole Nash setup, mate, and on a professional level. So how have you managed to 
do these trips personally? Obviously, the filming trips are part of are part of the job role to some mm. extent. But how have you managed to organise your calendar so that you've got these slots free to 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 go? It's um it's been difficult at times, uh, very difficult. And at times, plans have had to been put on hold, and where it's gotten too intense. For instance, right now, um, where I want to I want to be fishing quite intensely now. It's the best time of the year, and my UK fishing mm. that's take a bit of a back seat for for the autumn. I'm hoping I can pick it up soon. Uh, a lot of it started. And I'm going to have to thank Total Carp for, at the start of the year. They, in one of their uh, issues, they had a year planner. And that has been <laughs> an integral part of my planning for the year. I've put it up on the back of my wall uh, uh, in my bedroom. And I've planned my year quite meticulously around work trips, um, baiting trips, and uh, and fishing. And I've like got different colored highlighters for being like, okay, Baiting needs to start here. That's yellow. Then I can go on to the fishing of it. That's green. Uh, that's um, orange. But then also I need to start another baiting campaign here. But that also ties in with a work trip away. And then that means that this week here I can't do anything when I come back because work's going to be too intense. I'm going to have to catch up on the work that I've yeah. missed whilst I've been away filming. So it's been a lot of planning like that and then still being quite flexible moving things around because, you know, everything, nothing ever goes to plan, does it, in life. So it's been... It's been quite looking forward and every sort of two or three months stopping and coming back and reviewing everything and seeing what's still feasible and what's not. But I've had a lot of goals. I always try and goal set when I'm when I'm fishing, especially the past four or five years. And um, this year, yeah, to reach those goals, it's taken a lot of planning, I'd say. A lot, a lot of planning. What, what were your goals then? When you laid them down at the start of the year or, or late last mm. year, what, what were your goals when you talk about setting goals? So I wanted three big uh, European fish. What's big? Uh, uh, 50 plus. Okay. So I wanted three big European fish. I wanted a UK 40 uh, and like a good handful of, of backup 35s. Um, uh, I wanted to fish very hard on this lake, uh, which we'll talk about mm. in the spring, uh, which thankfully I did. I wanted a 20 pound pike and um, I wanted to go and fish in Spain. Those were my my main ones basically and in Spain I wanted to catch these this strain of mirror that I've fell in love with basically over the course of the past couple of years spoiler alert you smashed them <laughs> yes yeah I, that went that trip went in, until until that trip this my year had gone incredibly so well I couldn't have hoped for any more well, we're doing this and now, then, mate. What, what are we in? We're in just in October. Just into October, You've still yeah. got a couple of... Well, you've got a one trip at least coming up very uh, shortly, haven't yes, you? Yes, so I've still to go. I'm going with Jim to France, Jim Shelley to France on Saturday. Then I've got a couple more UK trips, and I might even try and squeeze in one last trip, which might be like a Predator carp trip yep. in Belgium. And then, like I said, I've got a big plan for my autumn fishing, but... This this one might be a bit hit and miss. What I might actually have to do is because I've got planned for an autumn campaign and then uh, up until the new year, mm. and then the new year there's another club war I'm going to jump on for the that January to March winter period. But what I might do is if I can't start fishing as soon as I'd like, which I'm really worried I can't on the autumn campaign, I might just start my winter one early. And this is what I mean about being yeah, flexible. Yeah. And I think uh, I think you've got to be like that because even if you dedicate yourself as much as you possibly can to fishing, life still gets in the way of it. So you need to be able to be flexible and accept that at times plans don't work out as you, as you want. And even if you try and carry them on, 
you might it might be a detriment to yourself because like it's still autumn november when i think i can start doing this autumn campaign but i've missed that six weeks prior yeah where i need to get that build up of build, yeah, yeah, build yeah, up yeah, of so really i'm on such a back seat that if no if i if i'd had those six weeks november would be the would be the time where you'd be reaping the rewards it would be the best time and in my head yeah november that's where i want to catch all these fish i'm after but I've not had those six weeks, so it might be pointless. But I'll have to sort of judge it when I when I actually get the time to to think about it, because I don't have time to think about it really too much at the minute. I think, but the, the, the way you've approached that and the way you've broke down your year and you've planned it with that planner and you've been able to readjust and factor in things, I think that is, and you'll probably look back of it in in sort of future times and think fair play because. You, hindsight is a wonderful thing and you always think when you look back when you've got less probably responsibility and stuff on your plate for instance me now you think oh when I was younger I'd have done more mm. I'd have done more but realistically there mate you've milked and maximised every this single is, last this bit. is another thing like I'm, uh, I'm, I don't have any responsibilities besides work like I'm, mm. I really am in a very selfish point in my life where I can dedicate as much as I want to fish in and Dan, Dan's always mentioned it because Dan always says to me, he's like, don't you want to go? He always makes fun of me when I go catch 20 pounders out of the river and love it. And he always says, don't you want to go and catch something that you, now that you're at that age where you've got no responsibilities that you can catch for and look back and be like, wow, that was the pinnacle of my fishing. And he's thinking about like he's done with his Swayze mirror. Mm. And I, I get that completely. But for me, it's more of making the most of, of just fishing and, and doing as many different types of fishing because for me there's so much more to carp fishing than just sitting on one lake for a couple of seasons there's there's so much to experience not just in the uk but in europe and not just going and fishing in europe but going and fishing all these different methods in europe like where i've just been with samir in spain part of the trip i wanted to go for wasn't just for these mirrors but we wanted to see this different type of fishing that he does so mm. i wanted just to to experience it all and that's kind of what my making the most of my 20s when I've got no responsibilities has been all about is is immersing yourself in in everything so that's why uh that's why I feel lucky I've been able to do it but I also know that as I get older and more responsibilities you won't be able to so I think that's why I had to make the most of it this year but it's fair to say like out of most of the lads you have that experience, the type of fishing for you is, is always a bit different. You're not free rods on a spot, man, mm. spamming over the top or on day ticket compact. Do that this year. You might do that this year. But but in terms of what you've described there before, I see that. Would you say that's a bit of Al's influence and the stuff that um, spending time with those guys with regards to different types I, of fishing I, venues and travel? I think it's everyone's influence. Mm. This is a big thing. And this is also what's helped me. I, I think having, I think I'm a, be at four years at Nash this year. I think having three years of fishing with everyone. Yeah. No one is ever a complete angler. No in no one ever. I don't care how good you get. You never will be. So, but everyone, especially in this office, there's a lot of very, very, very good anglers. Mm. So I think what you've got to do is, and actually it reminded me of your, I was listening to your Benji Brittle podcast on the way in and he talks about learning yeah. and how important it is and I think that's been a big thing is that just going in and seeing the important things from all these very very good anglers and taking that into your fishing but not mimicking people completely because one you're not that person and two they're not perfect themselves yeah they might be very 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 good but they're not 
perfect. So you shouldn't imitate everything they do. You should take their best bits away from them and replicate that. And I think that perhaps this year, um, where where I've seen that for three years, I've been able to collect it all together now and this year and hopefully years and years to come. And that's why it's helped me this year. It's all come together and it's all, it's all come good because I've, I've seen it, everyone fish and heard about how they fish. I wanted to take it all on board, all those good bits. And it's helped me a lot this year. And a lot of that is, yeah, probably Alan and he, how he goes all over the place. And I Mm. see that and think that looks fucking amazing. Like you're not just going fishing loads. Yeah. Going down the same lake every weekend, because for me, I'd find that boring. You're going out all over the world, experiencing all these different types of fish. And I find that incredible. And that's something that I want in my own angling. I think that's why I think Alan yeah probably was a big influence especially on that that area of it do you think that'll come with time do you think you'll find a, or did you find over the course of this year a type of fishing a style of fishing that was more I'm not talking about your outcomes and what you caught but a way of fishing that you were more sort of I don't know attracted to or you'd like to do maybe as as part of the main course of your angling in a year I, are you happy chopping and changing I think for now I'm happy there were times where um, like I had a spring in the UK on somewhere where I focused on somewhere mm. um, that I really did enjoy um, but even towards the end of it I could feel myself getting a little bit tired of it um, so I think I will but for now I think that more of the buzz is coming from experiencing all these new things and learning because also I think the thing that makes you a very good angler and that's is is that you you have multiple strings to your bow. So that's another thing I'm conscious of is yeah. making sure that I can go fish three rods on a spot and then I can go surface fishing and then can go stalking and then I can go boat rigs 400 yards and then I can go snag fish with clips on a massive river and then I can go and try and chip up really big pressured carp. I want to be able to be able to turn my hand to all of it because I think that's important. Um, I've noticed this year that the that being able to very quickly, especially on the shoots we go on, where you've got 48 hours at a venue you've never seen before, yeah, being able to very quickly identify the best way to catch that carp and implement it with as minimum disturbance as possible and as effectively as possible is so key to doing well, especially on those short trips. So that's why I, th- I think for the time being, I want to experience as much as I can. And then maybe one day I'll settle down with my fishing and find something that I... I love and want to spend all my time doing. Right now, I can't see it, but I wouldn't be surprised if I if I do. Yeah, wait and see. Wait and see. Mate, you've done so well. When I look back at that year and we planned it and we looked through it all, there's a lot of trips, but there's not many trips that haven't gone without a result. Yeah, I think that's the main thing as well. Is that I I wouldn't say I've fished more than definitely my first year at Nash. Definitely not. I fished a lot that year, um, but I don't think I've fished excessively more than last year probably the same amount, maybe a little bit less, but I think it's just the results of each trip besides, I think one has gone really well. Yeah. But again, it goes back to quickly identifying what the best solution is to what you've got to, to what the carp, what you need to catch the carp and implementing it as quick as possible. And one, one story that sums it up is um, for me really well is we were fishing in Germany uh, a couple of months ago. And um, uh, I don't think I've posted, yeah, I've not posted anything really from this, about not this capture anyway. Um, and maybe Dan will shout at me for ruining it, but whatever, <laughs> it's for a film. It, it, you'll see it soon. Um, was we went to this park lake and we got down there late one day, quickly got the rods out, woke up in the morning. I think I had a couple of shitty stockies in the night. 
but we were there for like these massive German mirrors. Mm. And uh, Dan put the drone up um, and found a few uh, in the middle part of the lake. We were at one end. So we moved around and there was two swims and they were all clearly showing in this one swim. So we had a big argument about who got to go in there. Dan was saying, well, I've let you have first choice in the past two swims we've been in. And it wasn't first choice. We went to these swims yeah. and we both went, oh, I don't care which, which, which swim I go into really, like whatever, I'm not bothered, we'll just go for there. And it went back and forth for 30 seconds to the point where I went, whatever, I'll go on the left then. Because otherwise you'd just go, no, you do it, you do it. Yeah. The one time someone wanted a swim, he went, well, no, I've been letting you cho- choose first, so I'm going in here. Of course he did. Yeah, so I was like, oh. so I was arguing a bit, getting a bit annoyed, and I was just like, nah, fuck it. Okay, Dan, you can do it, but I'm going out first to put my rods out. Because Dan, because Dan's that more of a campaign angler, yeah. he sees his fishing over a long period of time, which is why he's caught what he's caught this year. Yeah. I know that he takes a little bit longer to be happy with what he's decided and to get to to come to the conclusion of what he wants to do. So I was thinking, right, we know that these fish on the drone, we've seen them moving between the two swims. They might be in this right-hand side swim more now. If I go out in the boat to where we saw, where I know from the drone where we saw them this morning, find a spot, a clear spot, drop it in, come straight back, minimal disturbance. I know that he's going to go out in the boat for an hour. Yeah, disturb them. Disturb them and push them across. So I was like, okay, fine. It, it kind of hit me all of a sudden. I was like, yeah, fine, whatever. I'm on the left. I'm not bothered. I'm not on the left. And he thought I was being on Mardi and he went, oh, we'll stagger them now then. I was like, no, honestly, it's fine. I'll go on the left. You go on the right. So I got it out, went straight out, found a spot straight away. It may not have been the best spot in the swim, but I knew it was a spot that the carp, it was clear the carp, had, I could see that the carp had fed on it at least in the past week or so. Mm. So I've got a rig out, bit of bait, came back. He went out in the boat, half an hour into him out in the boat, I got a bite. It was the biggest fish in the lake. Oof. And... That for me, that really solidified in my head because I think a lot of the time as well, when you see these really good campaign anglers, and that's that's what I've been exposed to quite a bit at times. And I think for campaign fishing, it's important to make sure that you're always aiming for a hundred percent. It really is really important. But for me, on these short trips, you need to get the eighty percent right as quickly as possible because that will usually do the bite for you. If you if you because you might spend too long trying to get the 100% right and you might miss the opportunity whereas a lot of the time you can catch carp on that 80%. Yeah. As long as you get that 80% right a lot of the time like you will catch the carp. So if you can get that sorted really quickly you've got a very good chance of catching and that's that that situation there confirmed it to me that if you're quick and you've made the right decision and this year I think like 9 times out of 10 I've made the right decision that's why it's it's gone quite well for me. Um you will get the bite and that, yeah, that was, that's all the learning curve and you being able to piece it together. Different experiences. It all, it all becomes there, but you've also got that style of angling. You've only got to look at Ollie. Ollie's classic Mm. example of short session. He'll ship out a baiting pole. And he'll catch, he'll get a bite before he shipped it back Mm. in. Ollie's a perfect example of that because he very much, I think is in that mindset. He knows Mm. if he gets 80% right, which for the most part is just finding them. If he gets that right, everything else he he may not spend hours tying the perfect rig in the world or really thinking, to, I don't know, exactly what bait he needs to use. He just uses a rig that he knows that works and a bait that he knows nine times exactly. out of ten they'll eat yeah. to an area that he knows that the carp are in very quietly and quickly. And, get, and that's why Ollie does so well. That's that's a perfect example because that's something I've taken from Ollie is that that's why he does so well because 100%. he's quick and he knows what he's looking for and 
he knows how to apply it in an effective manner. That's why Ollie catches loads. Yeah. Mm. For you, and we'll go through significant chapters in due course, but overall, looking at it, I know that you've put yourself in the situation over the course of the year. You've been on some really good venues with a good head of really good fish. Some of them not a good head, but with good fish present. So there straight away, you've got a chance of catching them. But are there any other things that you've done differently, adopted, maybe really thought about and planned that have given you, you think, an edge when it comes to into the amount of significant sort of captures over the course of those sessions? Um, So I think that... That approach, like I said, besides one period of my fishing this year, it's all been limited. Yeah. Not, I don't want to say limited time because 48 hours, 72 hours isn't a limited session, but it's seeing the venue for the first time. So I don't know how you, how you describe that sort of fishing where, where you, it's kind of like one chance fishing. You've got one trip yeah. to a new venue you've never seen mm. before and you've got three, de- three days, yeah. two nights. I think adopting that mindset where providing you get that 80% right and do it quickly, you will you will catch them. There's that, the, the 80-20 principle isn't there where yeah. 20% of your inputs result in 80% of your output. So if you can get that 20% perfect as quickly as possible, which like I said, it is normally location, mm. that normally covers the 80%. The, that last 80% of effort to make the 20% up just slows you down and it means that you're going to miss opportunities. And by the time you've got it all figured out and you're happy with fishing... Bite time's gone. Bite time's gone. You might be ready to get the ferry back home. Like mm. it's, I think it, that that is something that's really hit me this year. And I've, I've always thought it, but sometimes you, you almost feel like you need to work more to earn the fish if you get what i mean like sometimes you get somewhere and you're like oh it's too good to be true doing that can't result in that bite even though if you look at like in retrospect you're like yeah it definitely would have i think i've had enough of those situations in the past couple of years where i know now if i see something that looks like it's going to work just do it straight away you don't overthink don't it don't overthink fish, it really yeah. don't overthink it because that's where it slows you down you miss bite time and especially when you don't have loads of time that's where the issue is like i said if you're campaign fishing it's a different story, especially if they're pressured carp. Yeah. Because you need to get, you've got the time to get the 100% right. And sometimes for those pressured carp, you need 100% to catch them. And this is where it goes back to Dan's different style of angling. If he wasn't like that, I don't think he would have caught the, the Swayze big one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not at all. And I, I I have noticed that with Dan where he, he always angles for his 100%. And a lot of the times it serves him so, so well. And maybe one or two times I've noticed that it perhaps... It's not serving him as well. And yeah. that's just from fishing with Dan quite a lot this year. But I think that, I think having that mindset for the type of fishing I've been doing is important. It's, it's helped me a lot. Um, another big thing is particle. Yeah. <laughs> a million percent is particle. Our particle, mate, is so fucking good. As in using it, did you use it preceding I used it before? I used it before, but not as much as I have this year. And it was more of a bit of a big faff because you've got to cook up all the hemp, cook up all yeah. the tigers you leave it too late and you're like, oh, fuck, I'll just fish boily again. It gives you that different dimension because I'm very much of the opinion that when it comes to bait, changing boily flavours is not really going to make much of a difference. Again, especially on this type of fishing that I'm talking about. Yeah. If they don't want to eat boilies, you change it from Scopex squid to, yeah. to krill. I don't think it's going to make much difference at all. 
I think if they don't want to eat scabbard squid, they're not in the mood to eat boilies. Whereas before, because I was, wasn't using particle as much, or I didn't have it as readily available like we do now in these jars. Mm. I didn't really have that in my armory, but now I do. And I, I, I particle is so good, so high quality, like just leaks so much attraction. I honestly think that so many of my extra fish this year have come from... What have you been using? Uh, it changes quite a bit depending okay. on the season. So early in the year, a lot of hemp and cream corn. Oily hemp or just a standard uh, scope? Oily hemp. Okay, yeah. Um, then as we go later into, into spring, then I'll start to use large seed mix. Mm. But that's when, yeah, it's like more of a large seed mix and flake sort of thing with a little bit of boily. Then... Um, I've done really well summer and autumn on a mix where I'll put boilies in mixed size at the base um, and then I'll pour tiger nuts, tiger nut slush and uh, oily hemp mm. and I'll just leave it there for a while and all the juices and everything, they soak into the boilies so the so- so- boilies just turn to like this really soft mush. Yeah, They've got all this extra attraction in. Then after a couple of days of being like that, then I'll mix it up and I've had so many fish on that this year. How long are you leaving that mix? <sighs> Three days would be max, but then yeah. you've got to keep it cool because otherwise the hemp starts to go off a little bit. Um, but anything from a day onwards. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Just just so it starts to soak into the boilies. You know when they're ready because you just grab the boilies and you just like press them and it just like turns like this. They go lighter as well, don't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's done me so many fish. Um, and then m- even most recently, I think until from now until the cop really get on that November big feed... Uh, just tigers and tiger nut slush. They fucking love tigers so Tiger, much. Yeah, tiger They're obsessed with tigers. And one. that tiger nut slush. Me and Samir have been talking about this. I think the reason that they like it so much as well is because they th- they it looks like what carp have shit out. Yeah. So they go swim past it and they see all this tiger nut slush there and they think, oh, carp are fed here because mm-hmm. they've crapped here as well. So they get down and start feeding and they're not scared. I think that's why it's done so many. Samir swears by it. And I mean, that's what we caught a lot on recently just tiger nut slush and a few tigers i think that that that's that's a killer as well yeah but i th- i think the big thing is is that it's not going to the preservatives in as well so they can they've got all the extra attraction yeah they can get on it so quickly and they don't feel any yeah nothing they, foreign or artificial and it's just goodness yeah. so much goodness i really think our particles played a massive massive role. and also on some of those venues i suppose I mean, they do see boily, but they readily probably see a bit more particle, don't they, from other anglers? I've seen maize in that quite a lot. Some of them, yeah, some of them. Um, And also, but some of them where it's not so much that they see that regularly from other anglers, it might even be that they just don't see boilies that often. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. Yeah, I think some of the the canals maybe that we fish, they just don't see boilies loads. Yeah, of course. That's why, excuse me, I think that's why maybe that's helped as well. But I just think having that extra bait dimension, for me, it's, you can either fish with naturals, particle, or boilies. Those are like the big three for me. And I've always fished with boilies, quite simply. I always fish with naturals because you just kind of, when you know you want to fish with naturals, you just can go to the tackle shop and get a couple of pints of maggots or whatever. But I think having that particle beyond a tin of sweet corn just readily available, always in the van, has helped me big time. Big time. Fair. Rig adjustments, anything terminal wise? Uh, claw hooks. Claw they hooks. Are fucking incredible, mate. Like, I've always used them in my fishing, but now I've moved over to them completely. And I'd say the, the only pattern you use, the only pattern I use, that they're so good at not losing fish when you've hooked them. I think that I've always, in past years, I've lost more fish. I've definitely as a percentage, 
and there'd been times where I think, oh, if I'd landed the fish that I caught, I'd have had a really, really that, if I landed the fish that I'd hooked, yeah. I'd have had a really, really good year. So maybe that's a part of it as well. Maybe, I mean, I've definitely hooked more fish this year, but maybe the fact that I've not lost as many fish has helped a lot as well. And it's down to the claw hooks, man, 100%. Well, just that design with, the, that with the, design, the notches. It's that, it's the beak point, it's yeah. those notches. And once it's past that first notch, it's so difficult for them to get out. And whenever I, I've had it a few times at shows and at, at shop days where people have been saying, oh, I've been losing a few fish, maybe a few fish. And I've just said to them straight away, like, honestly, this isn't a sales pitch or anything. Just just try these claw hooks because that's what I've done. And I can honestly say I've lost two or three fish this year from hook pools. That's it. Like, it's definitely something in it. And I had a few people message me on Instagram after saying, I've had, had this uh, English family moved over to Holland. It really reminds me of it. And they asked me about it. And I recommended it to them. And they send me messages every couple of weeks going, yeah, 15 bites this week, all on the claw hooks, didn't lose a single one. It's There's definitely something in them. Do you, and um, you've used them on a variety of different presentations? Or? Yeah, so I, my main presentations will either be a uh, Ronnie Claw, I'd probably fish that 80% of my yeah. fishing, uh, both bottom baits and... Uh, bottom baits? Sorry, wafters, wafters yeah. and pop-ups. Um, then I've used them on slip D's. The only thing I'd like is that shank was a little bit longer. Yeah, but again, it's, I think that's the personal thing because I've caught plenty of fish on them as well. And then um, like a, like a D, a Fluorolink D rig. Oh, okay. Yeah, where I'll put, the, I'll put a bore bead through. So it exits down on the first bend. So I, most people tie a whipping knot, don't yeah, they? Yeah, of course they do. But I'll just put a bore bead on. So that brings it down and then pull it back. Put it back up and blob it. it. Through. So those are basically the three rigs I use. But on floater fishing as well, like hardly lost any Yeah, those whatsoever. floater claws, are, I've always used them, so to be fair. Good, man, they're so, so good. And I generally think it's um, it's just down to that pattern. It's just so difficult for them to get out. And uh, people are worried that like, they, they open up or something because of the bends or I've not had the the 77 and the 68 I caught one size six floater claws. On floater claws? Floater claws. Jeez. They're so good, mate. Their claw hooks are I, if you've not used them, I can't recommend them enough. They are so fucking good. The best, yeah, co- the best hook I've ever used. Pattern. Best hook I've ever used by a mile. Mm, fair. Anything else? Any other bits and bobs? Um, or is that pretty much floater claws, particle, putting yourself in the right place and opportunity-wise? Yeah, I think so. And just like put, like I said, putting effort in the right areas, not mm. not getting worried about the stuff that doesn't matter. Like... I, I see it again, like I said, you you fish here with very, very good anglers, but no one's complete. And sometimes the problem that I see is people putting efforts into areas that doesn't matter. And as, over the course of a session, it it works against them. Yeah. Um, and they're just getting stressed out about things that really don't matter at all. Um, when I see... Alfie get his ruler out to measure exactly how long his zig is. It's like, mate, just do six foot, like get the rod back out. Yeah. And for some people, yeah, they say it's to reassure them. It's confidence thing. But so I think once you've got in your head that you don't need that to reassure yourself, then maybe that's that. I, I, I don't know. I'm just speaking for myself here, but for me, that's been a big thing. Yeah. It's an ability to be able to prioritize the important mm, things. I yeah. think, you know what I mean? There's no mm. two ways about that, especially when you're fishing in those concentrated period of time. Mm. Cause as you say, opportunities are dwindling all the time as the yeah. time ticks on. Mm. Talk me through sort of the year, the start of the year, winter time, January, always pretty like difficult, can be very, very tricky. How did it start? Started pike fishing. 
Oh, um, yes, that's the way yeah. to do it. <laughs> um, I was desperate to catch a 20 pound pike. I remember this. Alert. I remember so this. So desperate, man. Like, I've been pike fishing too long as I've been carp fishing. Uh, growing up in Switzerland, where the carp fishing was pretty shit. Uh, <laughs> um, I was a pike fishing a lot, and I've caught a lot of 15, 16, 17s, 18s, but I've been desperate for a 20. And on a lure, everyone's always said to me in the office, like, it's because you're lure fishing all the time. That's you, what I said to yeah, you. Yeah, you said it to me as well. You said, get 100%. rid of them, that shitty roach shad you're using and get the dead baits out. And I was almost at the point where I was resigned to do it. Um, in fact, I think the when I did catch it, so I was fishing up the wool pack, somehow I managed to blag uh, a bit of pike fishing on there. <laughs> and I and I'd, in the swim next door, I'd flicked out two dead bait rods because I'd gone down going, they're right. I'm not going to catch them. These big fat pike, winter pike, they don't want to be chasing around a lure. Um, I caught loads of jacks sat down the lure and I was like, right, fuck it, it's getting to bite time. Put the two dead baits out and I went to the swim next door, cast the lure out, really, really slow retrieval, bang, felt fucking massive. <laughs> uh, didn't, did like classic pike, went on a couple of big runs and then was pretty much dead and it came up and I was like, that one's, that's big, but it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't long. It was just, Solid winter, winter yeah. full feed, and um, I was like, that could do it. And and yeah, went 21 8. So I was that was the start of my year, like end of Jan. I remember seeing it on the old Instagram stories, yeah. mate. Oh, I was so happy with it, I so know. so happy with it. And um, and then I caught another one the week or two after, which was my last li- literally my last cast of the uh pike season. Um, I was starting to add a, a weekend on the church. Um, the following weekend, and then it was going to be March, and that's so mm. I was like, right, it's, it's into and it's into a uh, carp fishing now, uh, and I, there was just a couple of swims left that I hadn't hit yet, and the light was just going. It's wall pack again, wall pack again, mm. um, and um, I was like, right, one more cast, then come on, let's do it, and same thing, just really close in, really slow retrieve, bang, hit it just as the light was fading, and this really proper old one, twenty twenty one pound. I think 2021, yeah, 21 it was, uh, came in. So, yeah, so that was the start of the year to look up 20-pound pike, which I was... They're big as well, isn't they? I often, different, different fish, Yeah, completely different. Like I often think a 20-pound pike is always a big fish. Mm. It might be because I've not caught a great deal of them, but every time I see one, that is a big one. Mm. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I've, I, I went pike fishing at the weekend um, at Royston, and I caught quite a few up to... 14s, 15s, mm. but it's, yeah, it's, it seems it's just that magic 20 pound barrier. Once they break that, yeah. they go from being like, oh, nice to fucking hell, that's an animal. Yeah, you're a beast. That's a big animal. You look pretty mean. Great start to the year. So you've gone through sort of predator time, which is a mm-hmm. result for you on a personal milestone, your first 20 pounders. Carp fishing, talk to me about what came into play. So then I was lucky enough to have a weekend on the church in exchange for some painting for Kev, uh, as he normally does every year. Yes. Um, obviously the church lake is closed in the, um, in the, in the winter to the general public. And that's the only time that we'll get an opportunity to fish. I think a lot of people think that we're always up there fishing, but <laughs> it's fully booked out from yeah. March until November. So that's the only time we can fish it, but Kev won't let you fish it. Nothing. So it was a case of re of painting the uh, middle room. If, if I painted that over the weekend, did you paint the studio? Uh, no, I think Dan did the studio. Did Dan did the studio. Dan did the studio. Yeah, I did the um, 
I did the room where it doesn't really matter if you fuck it up. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think that was what only I could be trusted with. Um, so I did that in exchange for Weekend on the Church and did did really, really well. I um, Well, not really, really well. I had two bites in the deep water over that hemp, uh, cream corn, uh, maggots mix up. Where did you have your bites, mate? Right bang in the middle between the two islands where it's the deepest. Yeah. Bit, there was quite a lot of wind coming through. They obviously got that little bit of dead area. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just thought that that's where they would end up grouping up. I mean, it's where I would go if I was a calf. It was out the wind, which was cold. It was in the deepest water. It's, it's deep winter at this point. They're not, mm. they really are in that slumber state. I just thought I'd get a couple of rods out in there. Um, and How much you put out? Did you put a lot of cream corn and hemp out uh, or not? Probably a good couple of handfuls. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because what my thinking was that there's not just going to be one carp there. Obviously, no. there's it's winter. There's a good number of carp in the church anyway. There's gonna be, they're going to be twenties, twenty five. So even if even if they only have one mouthful per fish, twenty five mouthfuls, they can get through a little bit of bait doing that. Mm. Um, I wanted enough to to make them. I want enough bait down there to sort of make them realise that they could, there's bait there for them to eat because you know how dormant and sluggish they are in winter anyway. Mm. So I put a fair bit down, bright citrus pop-ups over the top and uh, yeah, caught the baby face common at 41A and then um, an unnamed mirror at 41, I think. What a couple of bites yeah, that yeah. is. Yeah, so that was a really good start and I've, I've fished the church a few times and done okay on there never had a like never never had any of the 40s out of there so that was a great start to the and year. at that time of year as well that is mega yeah. because it, that might seem like it's the church it's the back garden like that lake received so much pressure not only mm. that I've been there countless times with brilliant anglers who've mm. been on there in the winter and it will not do a bite yeah they I, shut I, up I, I'm trying to think because a lot of people were we had a lot of renovating to do in the office this winter <laughs> so there's a lot of people got sessions on there Rob Theobald did really well he had Two forties, I Houdini, think. Houdini, didn't he? he? Had Houdini and Big Simo, um, but other than that, I think Curly might have had one. I think that's it, really. Yeah, like it's it is hard going, and I I was lucky because I was the first one who got set told about this opportunity, so I <laughs> had first choice of swim and was aggressively defending it because I thought they could be there. Dan was trying to Must come in, in there. The lodge, yeah, I said nah. Yeah. I've spoke to Nashi. He said I can have first choice, and I'm fishing here. And um, yeah, so <laughs> so that definitely helped. But um, yeah, it was a, it was a great, really good start to the year. Um, I know people might say, "Oh, it's only church lake," but for me, catching I w- I've always wanted one of the big ones out of um, church lake because it's the church lake. It's just up the back of the garden there. Um, yeah, I've always really wanted. Mate, two winter forties mm. is incredible. That your target you said at the start was a, was yeah. a UK forty. So, You've got two there. So that target session. was that was done basically. So I was obviously, and it's always like, I don't, I don't live and die by these targets, but I kind of do it so that it, it helps direct my fishing throughout the year. But it's almost kind of nice that it takes some of the pressure off as well. So that you don't, you don't be like, Oh, at the end of the year, you won't be like, Oh, I've had a bad year. Cause I didn't meet this target, this target, this target. Mm. Um, yeah. It just makes it even more sweet when you do it before the cart fishing season's even, even really started. Next target, are we talking about this particular venue that you put some time into? Uh, yeah, we can do. I'd, I'd, because then after that, I had um, probably my first, well, my only bad trip of the year 
went over to Italy, and not that it was a bad trip, but results wise, it was I don't great. think this is a bad trip, mate. No, no, not on that venue. We we fucked it basically going so early in the year. It was fucking freezing, and we go to a lake like eight times the size of the Orient. But mate, just to catch a fish on that lake, I mm. think regardless of the fact that they weren't. 40, 50 pounders or whatever. Mm. That is, a, mate, it's an absolute massive sheet of water. Yeah, it was scary big. It was the sea. 100% it was the sea. Like those beaches and sand and... How do you say it? Bol- what's Bolsena. 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 I never know how to say it. Yeah. Oh, I probably got it wrong there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Begins with a B and ends in Cena or something. Yeah. But that's um, massive. Yeah, it was It was intimidating. Definitely intimidating. Um Taught me a lot, again, going back to like mega range fishing on boats, taught me a lot about that big, big lake fishing. Uh, I've done a bit of it before, but not on a lake that big. Um, and then the mad thing was you towing lines out 350, 400 metres and I caught them all fucking 10 yards out where I was wading out and hand placing the rod. You're joking. Yeah, I, it was really slow. We did a few venues building up to it. We had a couple of carp each, went to Bolsena, picked this spot. We're proper like big lake fishing, like the horseshoe rod out um, theory where you've got, you're fishing at the different depths, like yeah. four, six, nine meters. And you've got your rods, the either side, the furthest ones to your right and left are at four. Then the ones inside are at five, six and the ones inside are seven, nine. So that whatever line. It's like an arrowhead, isn't it? Yeah. yeah the yeah. fish are crossing through. They're not going to go through lines. The first thing they're going to meet is your bait. Um, so we're fishing like that. Uh, and it was just fucking, I think we had a couple of really small ones. And then, um, yeah, we found some like a kilometre and a half down the, <laughs> down, down the bank. Um, I jumped straight on it, went round to the boat and yeah, it was ended over the next couple of days catching them where you're yeah, wading out, placing the rig, walking it back and just getting these screamers. And we didn't have anything massive doing it. Uh, the biggest side I think was 29, but, uh, I must've had like 15 fish. And after a few days where you've had hardly anything it was, mate, yeah. on a sheet of water like that mm. that's a result and a half yeah so it, it, yeah like i said it wasn't a terrible trip but it's probably the only trip i had where i didn't come back being like what did you want from there 40 pound common from bolsena yeah yeah, yeah probably 40 pound common would, <sighs> would have been would have been lovely but um again yeah yeah I, I, even though i said it's a bad trip it, it wasn't because i learned a lot about the style of fishing like i said this is still what all my fishing's about. I want to experience the fishing mm. and how it's done beyond just catching them. Uh, it's not so completely results-based, my fishing. it's A lot of it is just knowing how you would tackle something like this so that it's in your armory to then deploy when you need to deploy it further down the line. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was... Uh, so that yeah, so that trip, we had that early March. We fucked it. We went too early. I don't think the big ones had gotten in to like that waking up spring mode whereas all the little commons had um so around this time working around this trip and this was this is probably where my planning had to be most on point this spring because i was away so much with fishing uh with work like back for a week gone again for a week back for a week and work's always busy that time as well so you've got to cram like two weeks of work into one week uh and even though the boys say i don't do any actual work I do. <laughs> yeah, you definitely do. So, so it's cramming a lot of work into that that week combined with this big spring campaign that I wanted to do. So um, up near my parents up north, there's uh, a big trout reservoir, mm. um, 110, 120 acres. Uh, 
no carp fishing, so it was a poaching job. And uh, <laughs> and um, I fished it a little bit for the past two springs, done all right on there. But this was the year that I really wanted to go for it. Now, the problem was I don't live with my parents anymore. I live in London, so two hours away. Um, so it's like, right, fuck, how am I going to achieve this? And it ended up being a lot of four-hour round trips for baiting up. It started in February time um, when I had to go and basically cut out my swim because if I would leave it too late, then everything grows up and like the only bits you can, the only bits you can fish on this reservoir without getting caught are uh, the really overgrown areas. Of course. So you have to go in early to try and cut a little bit of a path and make sure that the, the brambles and the nettles don't grow up so that you can get in there in the spring when it actually starts fishing. So that was my first job. Then early March before I went away to Bolsena, I put a lot of salt and tigers in, uh, salt to hopefully have something there that's of interest and when they do start waking up and tigers just because I know that they'll keep for six, seven weeks. Yeah. So if I put boilies out there and they don't get eaten in two weeks, which is perfectly possible, they're going to go rotten. I've killed the spot before I even started. So I put a, uh, a lot of, a lot, not a lot of tigers, maybe three or four kilos. Um, and then, then I left it for, cause it, I was saying it was a long trip. It was probably like two, three weeks before I could get back and then I just did that again, um, the salt and the tigers, and then uh, went back up the following week and did salt and tigers again, and then did that for a couple of weeks until I started to see the carp. Oh, so you saw them in there? So um, the previous year when I fished it, I saw them in there at the very start of May. Okay. Um, but I kind of knew they'd been visiting late April I could see the tracks through the weeds starting to appear so I knew they were being there but I hadn't seen them um but this year so the the bay that they get into to spawn is maybe like 15 20 acres um and that's that's why they're in there in the spring that's why you can only fish it in the springs because that's when they get into that area of the lake yeah. is, is to spawn um so my plan was as soon as they start getting in there even if they're not in my spot, I'm going to start getting boilies in because I know they'll start visiting all these areas of the lake that they've not seen since the previous June, July. They're going to start exploring. You know what spring carp are like? They're all over the place. Mm. So I want to start getting boilies in at that point, but I don't want to risk it until I see at least the first couple get in there. Because yeah, it's wasted of all, isn't it? it? Not either wasted. If I knew that if I killed that spot, mm. I'm fucked because it's the only spot I can fish and not get caught. So yeah. if, if I kill that spot, there's no plan B. It's got to be that spot. So um, I saw them very early, much earlier than I thought I would. I saw them early April. Um, <clears throat> saw them early April, whereas, like I said, last year it was late April. So I was like, right, okay, game on. So I started baiting and baiting quite heavily with uh, seed mix and boilies. I think maybe the first time I went, I did maybe like two or three kilos of boilies and a couple of kilos of large seed mix. Um, but then as soon as I knew that they started eating it and there were fish visiting there, then I was going quite heavy because, again, although they're in 10, 15 acres, there's probably only 80, 80 carp there and there's there's so many naturals in there, mm-hmm. so much in the weed and bloodworm that you've got to switch these wild carp onto eating boilies. That's quite a difficult... Once they're on it, they're on it, but you've got to get them on it first and that can be quite difficult. Um, that's why I started baiting with large seed mix as well because... I needed something a little bit that towed the line between fisherman's bait and natural bait to help them get on the boilie. But then 
near the end, I was just fishing boily. So you're um, weaning them onto boiling. Kind of weaning yeah. them onto it. And then when, when you know they're on it, I mean, I think I've probably got like 150, 200 kilos of boilies in the end for that spring campaign. This is spring as well. Like yeah. once those on it, they're on it. But weaning them onto it can be a little bit difficult. Um, but it didn't take long for them to get on it. Um, and like I said, you could, there's probably 80 carp in there and I put the drone up and this 80 was, the main pack of them was slowly moving. Like I'd go down every three or four days for my bait up and see them moving more and more around. They'd start on the right, the furthest side of the bay for me and they're working their way around. You'd see them puffing up all the silt where they've, they've not fed there for nine months. Yeah. They're, there's a lot of blood worm for them to get through and there's no need for them to move off. But every time I'd go around, you'd have like four or five drifting off, feeding on my boilies. And then the next time I'd come, there'd be six or seven. And the next time you'd come, there'd be eight or nine. So you're pulling them. So they're slowly coming around. I think it's just where the odd one just leave the group. They go for a little wander around to see what, what the rest of their environment is. The carp are always just looking. Yeah, so inquisitive. Time of year, they're trying to find, trying to see what's going on in their environment. And they've come across these boilies and then they're starting to get down on them. So there's a point where I think there's maybe like seven or eight there one day drifting around the area. Uh, and they were dropping down pretty regularly into the spot. I think there was no boilies left, but they kept coming around to see if there was. So I was like, okay, this is the time to to get on them, basically. Like, get What's the spot the saying? Is it a particularly firm area, or is it so not? So it's on the back of an island. It's in a channel, and you've got a big bed of weed either side of the, of the island. So uh, it's different types of weed as well. You've got a big bed of Canadian on one side, and you've got the Pomenogeton, is it called? Pomenogeton, yeah. Oh, yeah, um, on the other side. And they sit in both of them. They spawn in the Canadian, um, but they like sitting either side of it. And they can cut through either through the weed into it, or they can come round in the channel that goes from the back of the island out into the main body of the lake. So right. you've got three entry points for them, basically. Um, it started off just this barren silt bowl, yeah, as it does reservoirs in the in the winter. Um, by the time I stopped fishing it, it was a rock solid, glowing spot. Like the size of this room, maybe half this room. Right, wow. yeah, yeah, maybe half this room. Um, but like glowing in amongst, like because the, the Pomenogeton comes further around, and then the the Canadian starts encroaching more, and the channel gets thinner and thinner. So it really was like just if if you came across it, you'd Boom. be like, yeah. yeah. That's, uh, How many rods did you fish on that? Two, just two. two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. yeah. no, I was, wouldn't want to fish anymore anyway, and um, they're just it's just flicking rods out. Uh, it's not, a, it's not long the cast or anything, and obviously I'm because I'm so I'm poaching it, <laughs> so I had to hide my gear down there because what you what I do is I'd park a, a mile or so away in the village, walk down, you'd jump over a couple of fences, you'd go through a bit of bog land, you'd go through all the fucking overgrowth and everything, so yeah. you couldn't. You couldn't be bringing stuff down with you each time. So I only had two rods and it was some old rods that I've, if someone did find them, First, I'd be happy yeah, yeah. to leave. I didn't want to have loads and loads of stuff down there. So yeah, just a little two two rod job. And what, what when you were talking about poaching and fishing, are you fishing this through the night or are you fishing this in through the, the day? So once you're there, no one's going to see you. It's Like I said, it's, it's in this undergrowth. It's a long way to get to. You've proper got to fight through it. The only way you can get through it is if you, is the path that I've made and, so you're not visible to the rest not of the visible. reservoir? No, no, not visible. And you can you see the rest of the reservoir? They you can see be. this bay, but you can't see the main bay. Where the fly where angles the fly might be. Angles are. You can't see it at all. Okay. 
Uh, there's a reason for why you can't, but I won't say it because it'll give yeah, the place away. I know, I know. Yeah, I know where you um, are. But, um, but yeah, it's the, so no one can see you unless they come in a boat into that bay. Yeah, yeah. Which they wouldn't do if they're a fly angle or anyway. No, no. No. Fair dues, fair dues. Um, you said that you were going to, it was time to put a rig in. It was in time a- to put a rig in early April and, um, and uh, put the rod out. And so last year when I started fishing it, uh, I didn't start fishing it till mid-May, late May. And um, and I had like four fish that first session. But that's mm. where they were so on it. It was that perfect clip. Prime time. So I was a bit like, oh, a little bit early. And um, my first fish, uh, I um, I lost, unfortunately. Um, it was a massive, uh, I was up a tree because there was a fish moving through. And I... I hadn't had a bite yet and I was a bit surprised. So I went up a tree to watch and then I had this bite and I was actually testing some of the new dwarf reels, the bait runners, and I'd not fished with bait runners for so long. Oh no. And I'd put the drag on way too loose. Um, it's a complete noddy moment and it just taken so much line. Yeah. She got a fish quite locked up and it gone round the island. Done. Uh, round the um, weed and I started bringing it back and I think I'd always had 15 pound mono on because I had to test to see how much 15 pound line could go on. And uh, sadly, it cut me off. Yeah. Oh. Fucking gutted, mate. And you see it? You see the fish didn't take see it? it? Didn't see it. I didn't see it. But to be fair, I'd been watching the fish coming in and out, mm. four or five that were there, and nothing looked massive. Um, so I, in my head, it was a 28 ish pound common. So that'd have done, though, wouldn't it? Really nice because obviously, they're so. Every, every single fish in there is just fucking incredible. Like, never been caught. Yeah. Um, just don't know where they come from wild fish so like such a rarity in england to find a stock of fish like this oh, so yeah. um so yeah wounded to the point where i was like i'm going home i was like no fucking pull yourself together man like get the rods back out uh, i did and a couple of hours later i had another bite uh 30 pound an ounce is common so wow i was gassed that was the start of my year an uncaught Unknown. Like, mate, you look at their mouths. They've got yeah, like yeah, yeah. They're mega the classic curtain. Like, and the thing is, as well, in there, there's there's two strains. I think there's this there's this strain that's got very rounded uh, fins, quite golden. Their faces are a little bit more like condensed in. And then there's this other strain that have got bigger tails, slight, not pointy, but not as rounded as, not heart shaped like the other commons. Yeah, they're like slate grey. They've got much more overslung mouths. Yeah. And it, I prefer the slate grey ones. Yeah, the overslung mouths are mega on them, aren't they? Really, they're really proper. nice. And it was one of them, yeah, £30 one. So to start Ooh. the year with a fish, so like I said, the year before, I didn't start getting bites till May. May time, like May 10th, I think. So to get a bite April 15th, 16th, and it'd be a £30-pounder. Like that's what I'm going for there in the 30s. That's what I really... Did you really see anything want. bigger? Yeah. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. No. There's biggins in there. There are biggins in there. I'm sure. What are we talking? Forty. I think there's forties in there. The biggest I had a the biggest one I've had over the two and a half springs I fished it because the first year didn't really count. Second year, um, last year I did a bit of a spring on there, but again, like didn't fish it properly. This was the first year that I felt like I fished it properly. Um, but I had my biggest one last year at a thirty-seven twelve. Then my biggest one this year was a couple of sessions later. Um, I started working through a few, few more. I think I might have even had another 30. Yeah, I think I had another 30-pounder. I had a couple of like, mid-20s, a, a, upper double, and then I had a 35-pound common, which was just 
fucking intense. It was like the most. It had. Oh, it was just mad. I, I can't even describe it. It was. It was one of the golden scale ones. Yeah. Um, it was just a brute. It was long. It had like this. Had this. Um, and a, f- a few of them had it damaged dorsals. I don't know what it was because they look more like deformities as opposed to definitely Actual, not a recent yeah, injury. Yeah, yeah. But it's almost like someone's just scraped it along its back perfectly, and it's. But there's no scar damage or anything. But they're just missing like they've got like dorsal in two parts. Really, really cool. Really like a cool. Split car. dorsal. Not, but yeah, but not like not like a cl- normal split dorsal. But like literally, it's got two dorsals, like two sails. It was really cool. Really cool carp. And that one, I remember it. So what they'll do is because they've never been hooked before, yeah. they'll go mad. Then they'll be getting the weed, and then they come in. But yeah. this one just went straight, ex- perfectly through the channel, out to the open water, just zzz, testing these new dwarf reels, going like. I fucking hope they can hold up because I'm not giving them much practice yet. Thankfully they did and brought it in this massive, yeah, 35 something, 35A. Um, Yeah, bundled it into the net. I was like, get in there. That is a buzz, mate. Proper buzz. They're special fish, but also uh, the uh, I've been testament to sort of the, the couple of years you'd put in before, and you'd seen glimpses and had mega results, but sort of glimpses. And this year, Mm. like you said, it was accumulation of what you'd learned and actually sort of committing to fishing mm. it as properly as you possibly could and even those captures you kept relatively quiet there's the odd mm. photo that went in the old whatsapp mm. we knew what you were up to but even then you, you kept a lot of this quite close to your chest didn't you mate yeah because it was all building up i was hoping to this to a 40 pounder uh sadly it didn't if that, if i had done that it would have been very tough ridiculous but um i remember then again like going away going it was a bit bad because sometimes i'd go away on these trips and the time that I'm away, during the quiet period, you're just thinking, oh, what's going on back there? Like, if I was there now, I'd be catching 100%. I hope that, because when, so let's say I go away for a week, I'd go up the day before, which is always a pain, because then you've got to come back, pack all your gear. But I'd go away the day before. Hit it with bait. Put 15, 20 kilos in. And then as soon as I get back, unload the van and go straight back up there. And sometimes when you've been doing these long drives from Europe, the last thing you want to do is do another four hours to put a bit mm. of bait in. But I just, I it's one of them ones where you know you've got to do it. Like, there's no, if you talk yourself out to it, if you start trying to talk yourself out of it, the other part of you goes, you can try and talk yourself out all you want, mate, but you know that you need to go up there now and put that bait in if yeah. you want to catch it. Because they're, if, if there's it's so much natural bait for them there, if there's not a reason for them to stay there, they're going to keep just moving around that bay. And you might pick off the odd one, but you're not going to have the success you need. So, um, yeah, so I was forcing myself to go up there. Uh, a few nice things where I had, um, I had my first mirrors from there. Um, so all I had so far was commons, the point where I was thinking, are there even mirrors in there? I'd seen a couple um, of smaller ones, but nothing that impressive. And I was thinking like, all the big ones will be commons. Um, and then I had, I think I had a little period where I had four bites in between a shoot and three of them were mirrors. Fucking, I must have had 30 bites from wow. the previous years and and the, the start of that year to, up to that point, all commons. And then you have four bites and three of them are mirrors. What type of mirrors? Sparsely scaled? Heavy uh, the scaled? first one I had was this really cool lin that I'd seen before in the water. Uh, it was only like 23. I don't even think I weighed it. It was low 20s. Uh, but that was a really, really cool one. But then the other two, they reminded me of like old fen fish kind of ones at the wool pack. Right. Like, not loads of scales, quite yeah. uh, old, like old skin and like that. They weren't. 
weren't the best lookers in the world, but they were old, like Characters, English fish. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had a 31 and a 28. The 28 was a fucking cool one. <laughs> Mate, they're a good average size. You really didn't good have any size. little doubles or. I had a couple of small, uh, maybe two or three like doubles, but the rest were 20s. And I think I had five 30s. That's Great really good going, going isn't it for like natural not uh, fished for compared to what you'd seen as well had you seen all that the average size being around sort of 20-ish yeah I'd say the average size was like 25 26 and like from yeah, my previous mad. what did I have the year before I think I had a 30 oh, I need to go back and look normally I'm so good at remembering this stuff but uh the previous year I'd say the average size was 23s 24s mm. this year I'd say it's 25s 26 27 so Maybe the bait was a part of it. They got on the bait a little bit more, but I, I doubt it. I think maybe I just got a little bit lucky or maybe the bigger fish moved in more than the smaller fish. I, I, I don't know. I, Who don't knows? I don't know. Just You'll got, never just know, got lucky. Um, yeah. And yeah. Uh, and then and then what happened there was I was going away on a big shoot, like a 12, 13 day, like a really long one. And I couldn't get there at any point, like five days before leaving because of how mad work was going to be. And I wouldn't be able to get back for like four or five days after. And it was getting to that point where you're thinking they're going to start spawning. Yeah, you're on that knife edge. And so I was like, and from past experience, they spawn and no matter what bait you put in, they're gone. They don't want to be there anymore. They want to go back into the big bit of the lake. They've spent their spring there. They're finished. Um, so I kind of was like, okay, sick. The year's over. I didn't catch my 40, but I had a nice 35. I had a good number of 30s. I'm happy. Um, but then while I was away, the weather changed in England. It went from being really, really sunny. You had like two or three weeks of really cold, Yeah, it knocked weather. them off, didn't it? Proper knocked them off. Um, to the point where I was like, I think I might have another chance here. So I went back up after not having baited it for three or four weeks had a look and there were still a few fish drifting around and they, they hadn't spawned. I was looking at them. They didn't look battered or anything. The weed bed hadn't been smashed to pieces like it normally was. So I'm like, I think I've got to go another go here. So over the next 10 days, I went up three times and baited. Um, and then I came back up and I had an actual full weekend. And normally I'll just do day sessions. I'll just do like three or four hours um, uh, in, a, in the morning or an afternoon. And that would be all I'd do. Uh, but I was like, I've got a full weekend. I'm going to commit to a full weekend here. Uh, so I got down for this weekend that was planned. Um, got the rods out. There was fish all over me. It must have been like 70% of the stock was there. I think I had four bites in the first three hours. Landed three. Wow. Um, nothing massive. Maybe 26s, 7s was the biggest. But, but it's uh, going off, but eh? It's going off. I was like, and I've got the full, full weekend. Like, Provided they don't move off, I should be all right here. Um, and then the unthinkable happened. Oh, this is about a mate. Should I tell the full? Um, should I tell yeah, the full I think, story? Or? I think you need to tell your version of this story. It, there may be, depending on releases, a version of this story told by a certain partner in crime, Mister Dan Yeomans. Okay, I'll, but they may or may not have heard at this stage. Okay, uh, so so basically, <laughs> um, I, I might actually leave one detail out. <laughs> Um, but what detail are you going to leave out? <laughs> you'll find out when you hear Dan's version. But Dan's version is a very, very exaggerated version of this. But basically, I was. Um, it was the evening. It was about nine o'clock, and it was getting to the point where uh, the 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 triangles definitely should have left, and I could hear a boat engine. I know what you're laughing at. I'm not going to say it. I can't say. You, it. <laughs> man, that is an integral part 
of this of this oh, thing. I can't say it's it. nine o'clock in the <laughs> evening. You've had a great day on the bank, <laughs> a very exciting day. <laughs> no, I'm not saying. I let Dan's story. I let wait for Dan's version of it because he will say it so much better than me. Um, <laughs> it's good. It's, it's good. about it. But anyway, um, basically one of the one of the um, one of the reservoir guard, whatever you call them. Rangers. Rangers um, came into this area of the lake on um, a boat to just do a random perimeter check and uh, and, and he saw me. Um, saw all of me. <laughs> he, yeah, he, basically I got caught. I couldn't believe it. It was Friday. Like I said, I had Saturday, Sunday there. Um, so what did you, at no point, so it's still light, is it? Or is it getting dark? Getting dark, nine o'clock-ish. And you've not twigged the boat? No, no, because they... Because you hear the boat engines all day, mm, and I wasn't yeah, looking I at the water, and I, I can hear this boat engine. Also, I look up, and he's and he's there coming towards me, and it's what happened. Like I said, it's so overgrown; you can't see you from the road. But if you come into this bay, the whole bank is overgrown. But then there's this strip of land mm. where it's it's dirt where I've been running up and down to get to the rods, and I put my bed chair next to it because it was getting late and I was like well I'm going to put my bed chair up but you could like I can't Dan's always made fun he's like what are you doing fucking on the top of this bank with your rods up like you can't you cannot see it unless you're on a boat in that water it's covered from everything you can't see it from a road you can't see it from behind because of all the trees but the only way you can see this straight in is if boat you're in a, in a boat and they've n- I've never ever seen him in a boat there and they came in the guy kicked off at me a little bit but um I just made my voice even posher and more <laughs> polite than normal. And I just thought, oh, trout anglers, I love it if you're just nice and posh and apologetic. So I put my voice on even more than it is normal like that. And um, I so basically tr- uh, went him round to the point where he was like apologising for getting rid of me. But it's like, look, mate, I'm sorry, you got to go. Like, what you did m- you say to him? You, you, you thought you could fish here? I, well, he came over, he's like, what are you doing here? And I was like, I think it's pretty obvious I'm fishing. He's like, why are you fishing? Like, you you're not allowed to. I was like, I'm sorry, mate. They're really like, I've got no excuse. Just oh, you're you're pretty honest. Yeah, I just yeah. said, I'm, I'm. You're right. You've caught me. I know I shouldn't be. I'm just. I'm fishing. I'm sorry. Um, you caught me. I'll go. And then he's like, Oh, uh, what's your name? I was like, oh, I'm not going to tell you my full name. I just, my name's Henry, though. Um, and then he took a picture of me, which obviously I'm just like waving from the bank. He's like, I'm gonna have to take a picture of you. I was like, That's fine, mate. Like, it's okay. Hello. Um, anyway, he's asking me like if I caught anything, and I was like, Well, I've in court now I'll tell him I was like yeah I've had quite a few like, I didn't tell him everything I had I've quite a few good ones what are you doing I'd have been like no enough it made first session uh, <laughs> well the reason I had to tell him that I'd caught be- was because I got caught last year by a different ranger oh Henry but this was this was the same ranger but he he asked me have you been caught before and I said no I've only just started fishing it this year um, and then and then I told him what I'd caught, not what I'd caught. I told him I'd caught a few, and there was some big carp in here. And then I was, I was telling him about how they act. In they come into this bay in the spring, and um, blah blah blah. Uh, he's just loving it, mate. He's, I thought he was going to invite me around for dinner at one point. He, we were well getting. Well, you've on. essentially gone on like a trout fishing <laughs> Tinder date, <laughs> and um, and to the point where he said, maybe we should open a carp syndicate on here. Let me ring my boss and see if he'd ever be interested. So he's on the boat ringing his boss. And I'm thinking, oh my God, I need to get out of here quick. And I've got all my stuff because normally I'm hiding it in a bush. Yeah. I need to get it out now. So he's ringing his boss and I'm packing my stuff up and he goes, you weren't the lad he caught here last year, are you? And I was like, no, no, no. Like I said, I've only just started fishing it this year. He's like, oh, okay, okay. Um, 
so anyway, I, I leave. I've dumped my stuff over a fence where I can drive down from my van from the village and put it in the van because I can't walk all the way up a mile with yeah, all my gear. Yeah. As I'm driving my van back down, he comes past on his way home, pulls in, we're chatting again. He's like, yeah, if if you ever, um, if if we ever decide to do a cart for Sheree, we'll, we'll put it on a um, social media, come down and have a conversation, come down to the lodge where the trout fishermen come in, mm. speak to me. We'll, um, we maybe, we can maybe, um, we can maybe come up with something that you can help us out. I was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. And then as we're having this conversation, the, uh, <laughs> the, 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 the main ranger comes down on his motorbike, put, takes his helmet off, sees me, and it's the guy who caught me last year. And he goes, I knew it was you from last oh, year. I knew it was sugar. you. And I'm just there like, oh, yeah, sorry, mate. I'm really sorry. Like, what did your mate say then? He looked like I'd just betrayed him. <laughs> looked heartbroken. He was just like, oh, I thought we were friends. That was like the look <laughs> on his eyes. He's like, yeah. you've just been lying to me this whole time. And, Never uh, trust a car. I was very quickly just chucking my stuff in, going, like, I'm really sorry, mate. And he's like, I mean, it will prosecute if we, if we catch you down here last year again. I was like, yeah, of course you will. Um, <laughs> um, it's happened every year. Yeah, you said that last year. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so uh, that was sadly the end of it. And I'm going to knock on the head for a while now because... The other thing is, like I said, it's it's a huge commitment to 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 commit to fishing like that, especially yeah. in spring when not only is it amazing work filming times, it's also incredible times for personal fishing and to to dedicate everything, it like every all your spare time to doing that. Like I said, it's three times a week, eight hour round trips to pay up. Like it's it's difficult. It's four that, hour round. That trip, is sorry. some stint. If yeah. you were back in Leicester, I thought when you were baiting up, you were still back nah. in your Sometimes boats. when I'd go up, I'd go up and spend the night with my parents and come back down again. But most times I was going up, arriving there at midnight, getting the bait in and driving home back to London and passing out and then getting on with the day the next day. Um, it's a big commitment to to do that. And the other thing was, like I said before, a lot of my angling, I want to experience different types of angling. And this type of angling... I, it doesn't make you a better angler doing what I was doing. Yes, you're learning fish behaviour and it's all very close in work, but I've been doing that type of fishing. Mm. That was the type of fishing I did in Switzerland. Yep. Beyond, once you've got the fish on the bait, once you've, you, once you've weaned them onto boilies, Job done. you're flicking Ronnie Claws out on the spot and waiting for them to go. Like, there's, there's nothing more you can do beyond that. Like I said, I can't move around the lake. I can't do anything. All I can do is wait for them bites to start coming and it's about putting the effort in. And for me... I loved it, but it was almost like a little bit of a silver lining release that I was like, okay, I'm not going to go for a couple of years now and I've got my springs back now to do something else because, yeah, it's it's quite one-dimensional and although I fucking love that I can't trust that enough, it didn't make me a better angler going and doing that. You also got to know your time, haven't you, on a place? Mm. I think you can, mm. especially when your, your thing is flitting around experiencing as much as you can experience realistically you've fished it as well as you possibly could in that period of time yeah. you've committed to it and you've mm. reaped the rewards mm. if one of those elements was out i.e. you couldn't commit to it properly or mm. you couldn't reap the rewards you might want to go back but if you've done it you've done it mm. mate like the only thing that take me back is the chances of 40 pound a day and I'm, i think there is but what do i like i said i probably caught 50 percent, 40 percent of the stock now it says here on my sheet of paper that you've beautifully put you've put 17 bites 15 fish up to 35 pounds yeah, uncaught from 110 acres. So, including the fish I've had from the previous years, like you're probably looking at 50 percent of the start. Like that's a I, lot. I don't need to prove that I can catch them to myself. I know I can catch them. I know what I'm doing. It's just a case of waiting for the big one to show up. And am I prepared to wait 
one, two, three more springs with that commitment. Again, also with that risk of one being caught and getting in a bit of trouble this time or two just being caught full stop and having to drop off. Like like this year, I think if I had that weekend, the chances of catching at least another good 30 were pretty high. Yeah, definitely. But I got caught. It's all gone. Like it's not like it's it's a it's a it's a bit of a risk that you're taking there. It's always quite nice to leave a bit of mystery in a place exactly. as well, isn't it? I yeah. think. And maybe three four years, give it another. That'll all be forties. That'll all be forties. But um, yeah, that was that was my that was my biggest bit of prolonged angling this year in one place, and it was uh yeah, it was fucking incredible. I loved it. It was great. Yeah, that's a mega chapter, mate. Looking down again at this list of stuff, I mean, this is springtime that you've concentrated in, but there's intermittent short trips, which are different styles of angling to what you just described, mm. which have incredible results, mate. France with Alan. Yes, France with Alan. I mean, fishing fun. with Al, what's that like to start with? Because when um, I go, it's full on, mate. So I, I really enjoy fishing with Al. It's a lot of fun. He's just a very fun person, full stop. Yeah. Um, the only thing I have with Alan is that I've noticed this, this is why probably my favorite person to fish with at Nash is either Tom or Dan, because they're a different style of angler to me, Yeah, which means that they're looking for different opportunities to catch. Whereas with Alan, I'd say out of everyone at Nash, I feel like I'm not saying I'm like Alan, but the style of angling, what we're looking for is quite similar. Yeah, definitely. So it means that at times you can get quite on top of each other. It was quite good because for a large part of where we fished was a canal and we basically had each other's stretches. I think we almost did it. I don't think we, we didn't talk about it, but I think we both said it because it was almost like, otherwise we're going to get on top of each other. That's your stretch. This is mine. Let's Do your on. thing. Yeah. yeah. Because that, that's the only worry you have when, when two anglers are the same together. I always, I remember with the first thinking it went, Ollie, um, was fishing the wool pack and he was so, so I don't know who it was someone was fishing on there and he was like it's nice to fish with really good anglers but at the same time you don't want to fish with really good anglers because they're looking for the gym probably uh, probably gym they're looking for the exact same things that you're looking for yeah um and it doesn't matter so much if you're a different type of angler like if if I was going with Dan and he wanted to fish uh, just whatever example three rods out in the middle mm and I'm looking for a fish in the edge, it's fine. We're not going to get on top of each other. We're looking for different opportunities. But with Alan, we're both looking in the edge for that fish. So uh, that was the only only thing. But like I said, it ended up being all right because of the venue we fished. And it, yeah, I'd always love fishing with Al. It's, uh, you learn a lot. Uh, he keeps you um, on your toes as well, which is good. You need that in your fishing, I think, when you want to go for it. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. It was uh, it was it was fun. We uh, we went to a big reservoir. Uh, he had a couple of big ones up to forty eight. I had a few up to forty four. The one I caught was um, there was like this big flooded um, uh, forest, and me and Barn went in with a boat and we were just slowly going around it. And we we found a couple of carp, so we baited it. Went back well early the next morning. Um, there's no banks to fish from so we got three anchors put the anchors in this boat flicked the two rods out and just sat there waiting for the bites from the boat from you the boat. i didn't know yeah, that yeah, it was really cool uh i caught this fucking shitty little bream thing straight away going <laughs> oh my god here we go all this effort and there's gonna be bream here so i was like oh, gutted uh got the rods back out um had a bite pretty much straight away after 28 pound i was like oh thank fuck like it's worked 
amazing. I can't believe it. Then we were like, well, we've still got a little bit of time left. Let's uh, let's keep going. Mm. Got the rod back out, had the bite from this fish, tanked me. And like, you've got a boat in a snag and you're fishing to a snag and a bit of open water in front of you. But oh. these, it's it's horrible, mate. It's fucking horrible. All under the rod tip stuff. All under the rod tip. Oh. And the thing that I didn't realise. So the fish came in, start, started to feel like it's on control. It rolled. I always remember me and Barn looking at each other being like, fucking hell, that's a big one. <laughs> and then it shot underneath the boat. But because you've got your anchors down... Oh God. You can't just ch- follow it round like you do normally on a boat. You've just got to hold on and hope it comes back the way it went in because yeah. it, otherwise you're fucked. You're in a right mess. So I'm just holding on being like, mate, I don't really know what to do to saying to Barn like beyond what I'm doing. And eventually it pops up, rolls, and it's this big common, mate, and it's got this head on it. I've never seen it. It's, they, they call it in French horse's head. I don't know how they say it in French, but for the old big carp, they, they call them horse's heads. And it was it was ridiculous. It its face was just the mouth on it. It was so old and just so built like a crayfish destroyer. Yeah, it was. Oh, it was such a cool. Car. Well, there's that massive rubbery lip. Yeah, jobs. man. Yeah, I'll yeah, show yeah, you yeah, after. Yeah. Cause I'm not. I'm not posted a picture yet of it. It was. Um, yeah, it was a fucking cool car. How really. big was it? 44, 45, yeah, 20 kilo. Do mate, so that it? was really cool. Um, yeah, that was that was wicked, and that was like just the start of that little trip. I think we did five, six days. Um, anyway, we left there. Um, and we went down to this canal and did a couple of nights on there. Uh, started off a bit calamitous for me because we went and fished this stretch. So we, we went there on the way out and baited a few spots. We got there late at night, uh, lamped it with the moonshine, mega light. Um, I found a few fish in a different on a different stretch. And we'd been told about these two stretches where me and Adam first started fishing. It was no night fishing and all that. Um, so it was like, okay, fine. But then we went, but then the people who told us about it said there's some stretches you can night fish. So we went onto another stretch where I found them and was like, I'm going to fish here. Mm. As we're setting the stuff up, the police come and they're like, oh, what are you doing? And we're like, oh, I'm, I'm fishing. And they're like, okay, no problem. And they left. So I was like, oh, sick. Brilliant, night fishing. This must be the night fishing spot. So I got my rods out, went to sleep. Anyway, about 6.30 in the morning, I've got a fucking bright light in my face. God the pesh, God the pesh. Uh, can we see your license? So I show my like again. All this time I'm thinking night fishing's allowed here. Like the yeah. police came last night, showing him my fishing license. He's like, "Oh, where are your rods?" I was like, "I've got two there and and one just down here." Uh, then he's like, "Have you caught any fish?" I said, "Yeah, I've got one. It's uh, it's in the sack. I didn't know that you couldn't retain fish at this point." So I show him. Anyway, after I've shown him everything, he goes, "Ah, okay. So you have made three mistakes. Number oh, one, no. no night fishing. Hundred euros. Number two, rods too far apart. A uh, hundred euros. Three, no retaining carp." 150 euros. I was like, you what? <laughs> I was like, you, I thought you could night fish here. So he's mugged you right off. You've given him the whole I've work. I've just sold him you? everything. So 350 euro fine. They took my gear. Oh so, my so, God, they took your gear. So that I pay it. So I had to drive an hour away to pay this fine. I got there. The guy who then I have to deal with didn't speak any French, any English. Mm. Someone Google Translate being like, oh, I'm trying to reduce no. the fine. I was like, oh, this is too expensive. I have a wife and kids at home. This is too much. <laughs> <laughs> I sh- uh, can we reduce it? I show it to him. He goes, no. No. And I go like, oh, I, I didn't realise um, the rods are too far apart. Maybe we can get rid of this fine. No. Like goes back and forth. And the end, I'm like, oh, okay, I'll pay. And then I'm like, do you have a card? No. <laughs> so I couldn't pay with a card machine. So I had to go then to a Fucking, what um, was it, 300 euros? 350 euros. Oh, I had to go mate. to a... a Cash to, point. In fact, I couldn't even get that much money out of my card 
for some reason. I've they've got like a limit on transactions abroad. Yeah. So I had to get Brad to pay it and then I'd pay him back. And then I got there and paid it. Just gave this guy 300 euros. He gave him a rod. I was like, do you have a receipt or anything for this? No. And he's like, oh, okay, okay, I'll go get. And he came back with it. I was like, fucking hell, what? I was just going to give you 350 euros. You just wrote it on a napkin. Yeah, I was going to say, you're just like, definitely going to send that on, aren't you, to my address <laughs> in London. Off. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so that was a bit of a ball. Like, I'm all a bit like, oh, 350 euros, fuck's sake. I think, what would, have we caught anything? Oh, yeah, I caught, did ca- the one I caught that night that the was in the was sling, it, yeah. which is fucking incredible. 20, upper 20, mirror, dark, scaly. And this is my, this was the trip where I realized France is the best country ever for carp fishing it's that got, is a bold statement it's got everything mate. mate and everyone goes oh yeah shitty french carp all big and pale but they're not like this region of france the pub- public venues that is so close to holland and, and um belgium uh, yeah, and belgium. germany that it's the same sort of strain and these that scaly mirad was one of the best carp I ever caught fucking incredible fish so so good and this is where i realized yeah france is the one it's got everything you could want um but I love that canal. It's probably one of my favourite ever venues. Um, you're just walking up and down, um, up and down, and they're pretty low stock. But eventually you find a few, you set up little traps. Um, there was one we saw, probably the biggest, had this little scale missing on its shoulder. Um, so when you'd find that, it would be around a couple more, like smaller ones. But yeah, like, okay, that's the one. We saw it a few times, me and Brad. Brad was my videographer, so I was walking around with, he was walking around with me. Uh, Barn was Alan's. Um, and then... Last night, I pushed it a little bit, got the rods out a little bit earlier than I should have maybe, but I was like, fuck it. It was quite away from where the guard pesh caught me last time, a bit of, a bit off the tracks. So I thought, oh, they won't come around. You I can get my rods out a little bit earlier. Got the rods out, um, had a bite just on first light. Rolls in the net. As it rolls in the net, I see that missing single scale. I'm like, fucking get in. Where 44 pound, I think wow, it was. Wow, mate. Just this perfect classic carp, like perfectly proportioned, really beautiful dark canal carp. Um, yeah, that was that was the end of that trip. It was just fucking perfect. Absolutely perfect. That sounds mega. I hope that's going to be a video, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know when it's springtime. Spoiler alerts galore, yeah. mate. We yeah, don't want to absolutely few, kill them, Quite a few mate. spoilers. Oh, fuck it. Fuck it. I've <laughs> caught them now. Um, so that was sort of, this is still sort of relatively early. When's that? April? That was early April. So that would have been um, probably just after I caught my first. Yes, because I think I had two f- sessions at the res and then I had to go. So I had, I, was on like, I was on like three bites, four bites for three fish on the res. Then I went that, yeah, because I would have fished, put a load of bait in, come down, done this trip. And then when I got back, I would have gone shot, shot straight back up to, to up north to put the bait in. That is mega, mate. To be fair, you've deserved these results thus far. You've put in a lot of graft. You then go and and there's a section here where you're with Dan a fair bit fishing in Belgium, isn't you? Now that's going to be a video, isn't it? Yes. Two, maybe even a two-part. I think it's a three-part of is this. Is it a three-part? I think this is, uh, I'm not 100% sure, but it's a Belgian. Dan fucking loves Belgium. He's obsessed with it. Because Gaz went there. You two the have a very interesting relationship <laughs> as well, don't you? Me and Dan. Yeah, brotherly love. I, I, it is one of the funniest Insta stories slash banter in the old WhatsApp group to follow. You and Yeomans <laughs> basically trying to wind each other up twenty four seven. I love Dan; he's very funny. Uh, he cracks me up. But, he is uh, funny. Yeah, he's just fucking obsessed with Belgium. He like, does love Belgium and loves it. Like, it's, it's, it's all right. <laughs> it's, I, I like fishing there, but it's not like this mecca. He just likes it because Gaz went there. 
That's it. That's it. I'm convinced that's what the only reason he likes it. But anyway, so Gaz, Dan, Dan wanted to make these films about ooh, Belgium, uh, all subsurface-esque style, um, yeah. Nazi, and I got invited along as well. Result. <laughs> so that was good. I think we went over like three times. In fact, I went over... I remember on a you personal go- trip well early. Oh, did you go? Was that a bit? I remember you going a few occasions, like blocks. Yeah, we went along like three blocks for yeah. these trips. But I remember I went earlier in the year as well uh, by myself, uh, like early, early, like end of February. I was more to go see one of my mates who lives nearby. Um, and I didn't do two. That was again a February fishing, mm. like the Albert Canal. It was good. I think I had a couple of small ones up to £20. Um, that's pretty historic ground. Kempish and Albert are pretty... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we went and go and fish them in these block canals, these block trips. We went with Dan as well. It was more like a recce trip because I thought I was going to fish in Belgium quite a bit more than actually... It. Well, actually, fished it quite a bit this year. It was more to like just go and have a little explore because Belgium is... There's a lot of water there, but you do kind of have to put the groundwork in to know where it's worth going. Yeah. Uh, because the, can be, people can be a little bit funny. Like, I get messaged a lot from people asking about spots and I just kind of give them areas because I don't you don't want to give too much away uh it's a bit harsh on all the local anglers and that you will find them you just got to put the leg I don't want to say fish this stretch here because there's 350 pounders you if you give them a region at least then they're going to walk 20 kilometers until they it's a bit it's it's respectful especially if you're doing a video about Mm. it and people are going to see Mm. it anyway to some extent Mm. the last thing you want to be doing is is blowing everything in it yeah, exactly. So, um, so yeah, me and Dan went, the, did a few, uh, a bit on the Albert and Kempish. That was probably the worst one, I won't lie. We were like bouncing around between spawning cup. I think that was the middle trip. The second trip we went on to. The third trip, we went to a um, a complex of lakes. That was really good. I think Dan had them up to 34, had them up to 36. We had quite a few really nice ones. My favourite nice. one was the first trip. We went and fished these canals and that was just... Oh, so cool. Stay light, move around. Yeah, it's a bit them. of you though, isn't it? Mm, That's comfort time. zone, Henry, in it though, there. It, it's, like I said before, it's about where to apply the effort and those type of trips. I know where 100%, if you apply the effort, you get more rewards and that is just moving on to fish after you've got bites. If you don't feel on those canals, those intimate Belgian canals, if you don't feel like you're close to a bite, you shouldn't be fishing there. That's why. That's why I always think with that one. If you don't feel like you're half an hour away, away from a bite, you are in the wrong area because somewhere on that canal, there's an opportunity. There's an opportunity to catch a carp. There's been a few. Sometimes I get in that frame of mind on lakes. Uh, Chigbra is a perfect example. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you don't feel like you're close to a bite on Chigbra, move, move because there's a there's a bite to be had at any point on Chigbra on one of the lakes, no matter what time of the year it is. Hundred percent. So that's why I do quite like them because it's very active. You just keep moving, keep going around. You see a lot of, see a lot, um, learn a lot. Uh, yeah, it was good. I think me and Dan both did really well. I think I had like 14, 15. He had eight or nine, something like wow. that. Uh, the biggest I had was on the last morning. I had a 38.8 from this stretch in the city, which was, I think, the biggest in the stretch from what I've been told since. That's mega, mate. Uh, but normally it's a bit heavier. It came out a couple of weeks after at 42. So I don't know if we weighed it wrong or they weighed it wrong. Might claim, you know, it was a 40. That's a 40. It was a 40, but it was really cool, like old, big round, um, uh, common. So that was really nice. Um, which is cool. It just moving around loads. Like that was where I kind of got Belgium a little bit. Um, 
I, I do love that those few stretches of canal. I actually went recently on the way to had to drive out to Frankfurt for a trade show. Oh yeah, that's we trade do. Show. Um, yeah, yeah. We do our trade shows in Europe and then the ones in the UK. I think you did your. You went to the UK one, didn't you? And I, oh, yeah. I went to the European one, and I had to drive because a few samples arrived late, so I had to drive them over. So of course, tie it in with a couple of nights fishing. Why not? And I went back to that canal, and that's the only place where I'm. It's a good stop off for a lot of areas, and I did really like it there. I didn't do as well. Well, actually, I think I had like eight bites in the thirty six hours when I went back, but biggest is twenty eight, twenty nine. But You're um, still getting the bites, mate. That's mm, good. Mm, yeah, it's uh, it was a cool little area. There's some big fish in in a stretch nearby as well. Uh, a couple of fifties. Um, yeah, it's a. Uh, it's mad because when you look at Belgium as well geographically, and I've said this, if you live down the southern end of the country, it's probably easier and quicker for you to get across to Belgium mm. via the tunnel or whatever than it mm. is for you to drive to round the M25. Yeah, it's not long at all, man. It's like so you can get over really quick. The yeah, I yeah, I do like Belgium. I think I don't don't say it as much round down because uh, just to, just try and annoy him basically. But uh, no, I do like uh France probably over everything but yeah if you do want to go to Belgium especially for it's the, probably the closest to UK fishing you can get mm. uh, I mean you can you can uh, sometimes I've got this little pet hate for having a big difference between UK and European fishing because a lot of it's so similar and the reason that people think that you've got to fish differently in Europe is because they're just being told you do but when you get there you can fish it completely UK style sometimes just from a boat like that's the only difference a lot of the time um <laughs> <laughs> that's literally it you just got a boat um but for if you really just want to go and fish complete uk style of fishing then belgium is yeah yeah it's pretty accessible isn't yeah, it yeah 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 absolutely like canal just flicking rods out yeah yeah one thing that you're pretty famous for i'm gonna say infamous for in the uh in the nash office is saying another campaign yeah you do <laughs> love the phrase campaign mate. yeah <laughs> And I think I remember you saying, oh, I've got another campaign back at home in between trips. I can't remember. I must have caught you between the podcast. Mm. And you were going up to a lake nearby uh, in a quest for a for a 40 pounder, weren't you? Yes. So, yeah, another campaign is a phrase I'm very associated with. But again, <laughs> I think it's because I'm not a campaign angler. Yeah. Campaigns for me are like three or four weeks somewhere. And like we talked about planning and moving things around, it means that they do have a lot of campaigns but they're not really campaigns but yeah i did have one where it was basically my gonna be my autumn fishing it was gonna be this period now oh was it i didn't know that that's where the lake was there's a club lake nearby um i actually joined it when i first joined nash and barely fished it okay uh but i caught a few and i was aware of this big common in there and a lot of the really nice backup mirrors so i was going to join it to try and catch this big common and catch some backup mirrors along the way um Anyway, it was going to start fishing it, yeah, early October. But I'd just done June the 16th, had a couple on the river. Then I blanked on my next session on the river. And then I went down, I had a free weekend. I was going to go on the river, but it just didn't look right. It didn't look right when I went the week, the couple of days before to do a quick overnighter. Okay. Bit of an algae bloom, too many, too much boat traffic going through. And I got down there, same sort of thing. The water looked a bit funny. There was loads of paddleboarders. And I just kind of thought, oh, fuck this. I'm not wasting my weekend here. I'm going to go down to the club water a bit earlier than I wanted, but like I said, I've, I've barely seen it before. I've done four or five sessions before three years ago when I first joined Nash. Like, let's go down there. Like, worst worst case, I don't catch anything, but at least I've 
done a bit of groundwork. Got eyes for, on the ground, yeah. For the autumn. So I get down there, um, find a few fish in this bay, uh, get a few rods out. Um, then about midnight, I had a bite, 20-something pounder common. It's like, yeah, sick, that's good, I'll take that. It's a start. Um, get the rod back out. A couple of hours later, about 4 a.m., just on first light, get this, uh, get, get a bite. Comes in pretty easily. I net it, and as I'm netting, I'm going, oh, that looked all right. That looked a good one. Uh, and you've got to go out in the water a little bit. It's a bit of a classic irrigation, irrigation res yeah, yeah, yeah. for Essex. Um, and the, the water goes, so because of the bank's quite steep, you've got to go down. So I'm just in, like, in my shorts. I'm just rolling it in the net going, that looks fucking huge. But I'm all, I'm very bad for estimating fish weights at the best of time. Uh, and then also where you've been away so often in Europe, you like you keep getting thrown with what the weights are. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at it more and more going, that looks fucking massive. <laughs> that looks really big. And then I get my phone up of the picture of this big common, and it's got like this one distinct scale gone. I roll it on its belly, and I see it, and I go, I can't fucking believe it. That's the big one. That's what I've come here for. And uh, yeah, it was. <laughs> got it on the mat, did a few self-takes. Uh, yeah, 42-pound common. And a real unspectacular fight. Yeah, from from what I remember, it just just kind of came in. There's quite a lot of weed in areas. It just kind of got in a bit of weed, thrashed around a bit, and then just went in the net. Because yeah. a, a fellow member of the Nash team, big old Rob Fearbold, yeah, he had it latter on a floater, didn't he? He caught it a couple of weeks after on a and floater, and he said it looked like an absolute animal. But maybe he didn't have the weed involved. Yeah, I think maybe it's the weed helped me a little bit, and it, like. Because the bay it can only go out, so I think it sort of slowly plotted out. Yeah, got they don't caught. go too quick, do they? Like no. I, the, li- the little, I had, I had a one of the backup mirrors I wanted, one of the known ones, the next bite, and then I had another common later that day, and they just zipped out this this bay, and um, like you know they're going there, but I think where this big common can't go as fast. Slow, yeah, you just f- felt like it was swimming towards me. Then it just got in this weed, and then just kind of went went in. Yeah, Rob then did catch it a couple of weeks. I said to him, it's like, you could have waited at least a couple more weeks, Rob, not two weeks after I've caught it. It's take, taking the shine off my catch <laughs> a little bit. Absolute mug. Yeah. It's the muggiest common in the world. Off the top, I'd rather have it. No, I'm joking, mate. That's a quality result, but that's campaign over for the autumn, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, so that's another reason why it's not the end of the world. I'm not fishing as much as I wanted right now. And like I said, that I might. what I might do is, where I've missed this period, but I should be fishing on the lake now, I might bring my next campaign forward, forward a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because... Also, I've caught what I wanted to catch. I would, I, like I said, there's a lot of nice backup fish up to, again, low 40s. So there's right. there's, so like, there a, there's like a 41 and a 40-pound mirror and then some really nice, like, old strain Essex mirrors backing up 30-pound at mark. So like, I'd still love to catch them. So I was going to carry it. He's still fish it this autumn. But now that with everything that's happened and I've missed those six weeks, I'm kind of like, mm, I'm not mm. really that bothered. Then I might bring the other campaign forward a little bit. Is my thinking, yeah. Fair day. So yeah, that was a bit of a nice surprise from shouldn't even have been down there for three months and then caught the big end. That's a result, mate, isn't it? Mm, yeah. Was it over a load of hemp, wasn't it? Was it? Yes, hemp. Loads and loads of hemp I was fishing. I, I don't even know why. Why did I do that? Because we had loads of test jars, probably, that probably. No, left. there was a reason why I was thought I'll just fish over loads of hemp. I remember when I went round, I saw something. It might have been a little... Loads of snails or something. Oh, it wasn't that. I think that. Oh, no, I remember there was a little fly hatch. Loads of there was loads of these little black flies that were on the surface. And for some reason, I was like, I'm just going to fish loads of little bits of hemp here. And I'd, I'm sure I 
been speaking to someone about it before where summer carp I, I, hemp's I just love hemp in the summer anyway yeah I just think summer carp where they've been caught a few times they just want to fish on those tiny little bits of bait I was thinking yeah I'll just fish over loads of hemp and a little wafter on top of that and see what happens like, like I said I had nothing to lose really that's was, ridiculous mate though isn't it really yeah yeah So uh, and that's what did the bite yeah what have you stood in at the start of this year mate fuck knows fuck knows. I think I've done one session since then on there again I'd like through I think I had quite a few fish nothing big but um, yeah, I mean, basically what I wanted, some of the backup mirrors, I had this big, well, it's not a big fully, it's like 27 pound, but it's one of the known backup mirrors. And then the big one, like, that's kind of what I wanted. So that's, check, check that one then as well. We've got probably, before we go into the what I would say were the two major chapters from this year, which in itself on their own would be enough for a season, especially the latter one. There is a brief interlude whereby you sheep up a drop shoe and absolutely have it off yes. on horseshoe, mate. Yes, this was fucking brilliant. This. <laughs> so we come back from a Belgium shoot, and uh, oh yeah, this is a classic. I'm I'm a very I'm bad for doing this. What I do is I'll be in a good, not overworked completely, in good, like feeling refreshed yeah. state of mind, and commit to everything. <laughs> And then regret it down the line. And I kind of did this with, we had the horseshoe open day. That's right. I just, I'd literally come back that day or the day before from um, Belgium, from yeah. Belgium, knackered after committing to it. And then I was like, oh, fuck, I'm going horseshoe tomorrow. So I sorted everything out, got got home, a couple of hours sleep, then drove down to horseshoe. Wasn't even going to fish, but I was like, fuck, I'm going to throw my stuff in the van anyway. And I think you just done your drop shoot on there. That's right, me and Max. On Winter Point, hadn't you? Yeah. And then Alfie had jumped in, Curly and Alfie had jumped in behind you two. A day jump straight. The, yes, the night before, because yes, I came that right. morning, because I got back, I slept at home and came that morning, but they went before. And then Alfie was leaving for the football. So the spot came free. So I was like, fucking brilliant. I'm just going to jump straight in on these guys. Like, sub angling, I hardly ever do. A couple of rods on a, two rods on a spot. Perfect. Um, Spotting over the top. Where did like, you fish? Did you fish? I, Max's the left, spot. I think the left hand spot. I think the house, straight out in front, eighteen rat. Yeah, I that's my the, spot. I was yeah, like yeah. your one, yeah, slightly further. So it was fucking mad. Like, um, I so said, we got the ones. I think Curly had one that evening. Yeah, uh, when we were all having some pizzas, and then nothing all night. And I'm thinking, this fucking rods on a spot thing is shit. I hate <laughs> it. This is wank. And then, um, and then I actually, so I had the bite about six thirty this morning. The first one, and where I've been all over the place so much recently. Curly said that I had this absolute one-toner and he oh, looks around and I'm just stood. Our bivvies are like at the back of the point. Yes. I'm just stood in front of the bivvy, like just staring wide-eyed out, just like not knowing where I am. And Curly's like, Henry, your rods, your rods, to your right, to your right. It takes me like a second to come around to realise where I am. Because in my head, I'm in like in Belgium or something oh, still. Man, yeah. I think I remember looking back, I th- thought I was in Belgium and I had like a snide rod somewhere. <laughs> and I'm trying to figure out in my <laughs> head where it? to run for this snide rod. And also I'm looking around going, this isn't Belgium. Where the <laughs> fuck am I? And um, yeah, that was the start of just like a mad morning i think we had like i think i had 10 curly had six or seven you had some good ones as well didn't you yeah i think we had uh out of the 10 i had i think three because they just spawned didn't they they were just I born, yeah. three of them would have been 30s God. and then i had one they were like tw- 27 or 28 yeah yeah another 27 and then i had one of the i think it's the third biggest in there oh the, the party fish it's called 
Um, I remember seeing the pictures and thinking they are good ones. Yeah, 33 it was, but I think normally it's like 37s, 38s. Um, yeah, that was that was pretty cool. Good I love that name, the party mate. fish. Take that. That's a cool name. Yeah, That's a so, good it. Horseshoe I mean, that tick. was completely just, we were all saying we we're going to rename this Nash Point because we just stitched it Shammed up for, it. for 10 days. I think we got on on the... <laughs> Yeah, because I think Max or you went a little bit early as well, didn't Max you? Max went early. I think he got there on the Monday. I got there on the t- Tuesday night or Wednesday morning and then left on the Friday. Yes, I think so we left like, oh, Sunday afternoon. So we had it pretty much a week. Just for a day. Full week smashed the granny yeah. out of it. Yeah. But mega they fishing. They got to a lot fishing, of fucking though. park or that trip, didn't they? I think I did a couple of buckets on I that I think me and Curly did a couple of buckets just that morning because you'd get a bite put a couple of spots out and it would go again you'd see them just slick up like yeah, boom they're on it sick. Bite time. like I said that's not my style of angling at all but I really enjoyed it really yeah. really enjoyed it when, like, going when like you're that. getting in that motions of it you can really feel like okay I get why people enjoy this lovely carp as well in horseshoe that's really, it, really that helps carp. as well doesn't it I said if the average size was sort of 15, 16 pound and they weren't the best looking carp maybe I'd have a different opinion but they're all all fucking linears isn't they mega it's mad ridiculous like, another linear another linear yeah they've done really well down there Another um, thousand liker, thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was great, and it's just really fun fishing. Uh, I love fishing with Curly; he's one of my favourite people to fish with. Um, he's a legend, and um, yeah, it was just nice, just Good. just working Good together. Angling. Like he'd have one, would sort that out, then I'd have one, would sort that out. It was just, yeah, really really good uh, little period there. I did all right on little sessions like that. I mean, um, uh, where else did I? Uh, I just had a, a little weekend on. Um, at Chigba recently for a social and caught uh, that big black common that Tony yeah. caught. Um, that's a mega That's fish, a really that cool is. car. That's normally 30 uh, before spawning. Um, I actually had the big and out of Chigba as well. Um, the the weekend I got caught on the poaching, the poaching res, yep. I was at a loose end. So I went home that night to my mum and dad's for, for my mum to cook me dinner. Mum, I've, I've been told off by a ranger. <laughs> And the next one, I was like, right, pull yourself together, let's do something. So I went down, I think Dan was fishing Swayze, so I went in and saw him, uh, annoyed him for a bit, made him cook me some food. And then nice. um, and then I was like, fuck it, I'm going to go, I'm, I've got the rest of the Saturday evening, um, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go fishing somewhere for 24 hours. And uh, I went down to Chigbra, uh, again, I was at like two or three miles, I was where to go. In the end, I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to go to Chigbra, like, it's perfect flight fishing weather, hardly done any flight fishing this year because I've been away so much. Uh, let's go do that and walk around 10 minutes in found a little bay with a few fish in a few mixes out this massive gob comes up basically place a rig a free line bit of uh soft hookable floaters in front of it big old fight in the weed in the net i'm like i swear i know that fish and look at pictures of when wilson caught it it's the yeah. big one from chigbro again spawned out it was like 35 normally it's 41 42 that's still a mega but, um, fish out yeah i was well happy with that because obviously you, you know what it's like nash fishes chigbro so much like oh my god everyone's everyone's on there all the there. time everyone's down there and so to catch the, the biggest one and no it's not the biggest weight but the the bigger now the one there, yeah, yeah it was was uh yeah it was really cool and i was yeah well happy with that that was uh that was really cool so a few little sessions like that again like what have i trodden trodden this year because you can't choose what picks up your hook bait, but you seem to have picked the big ones, mate all year mm. the this these two and we have dead genuinely saved the best for last are absolutely, if people are still listening mate <laughs> they should listen for this because this is ridiculous first one lake bled Beautiful, unbelievable mm. scenery, incredible venue. But my God, mate, if I look at the sizes of fish that have come out here 
and you did three day sessions. It's day yeah. fishing, isn't yeah. it? Um, well, we did one day session and two afternoon sessions. So this is hardly any rod hours. Hardly it's any you, rod hours. Bradders, who else went with Barn. you? And Barn, you've had a 57, a 47, a 45, a 40, a 38, and a 35. Yeah, yeah. And then a few smaller ones as well. A small, I mean, <laughs> that is ridiculous. How, crazy. why, what tactics, what, I mean, it's a big sheet of water, mate. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah it is, blood is big. It is big. What I've, what I found about it is it's big, but it's not scary big. Yeah. And it's it's sectional as well. That's what I really like about it. It's split up into sections almost. Um, anyway, so go, going back to, I'll get into that a little bit later about how we approached it and that breaking it up a little bit. But the main thing was why we went, it was, we wanted to go for a holiday, basically, <laughs> the three of us. Like we, we all wanted to go to Bled, um, but there was... We we wanted to go, but we also wanted to have a bit of a holiday. So we at the start of the year, we we asked in the group chat who wanted to go, and it's me, Bradders, and Barn, and the three of us get on really well. So like, sweet, like it'd be a really good trip. We um we booked the we had a fucking nightmare booking the tickets at the start of the start of the year because you got to book them on the first of January when yeah, they go when live. They come out, yeah. Anyway, I was like on them too. You know what they can be like. Make sure you book those tickets. Make sure you book the tickets. Anyway. New Year's Eve, I get fucked up. And uh, <laughs> to the point where I'm messaging in the group chat at 5am going, can't wait for this trip, lad. It's going to be amazing. But I completely forget to book them myself. Oh, you absolutely. So I wait. So get home like 5, 6am, go to sleep, wake up, feel well hungover, like fuck around a little bit, go to, sl- go to sleep for that night, wake up on the, th- the second it would be now open up all my messages from people and I see that one going, oh yeah, I could only get these dates, I could only get these dates. I'm like, oh fuck, I've completely missed them all. What an idiot. So I go on, there's like, I think one or two of the dates left that I wanted and then the other one, uh, there was two days that I wanted and then one day where we were there but not the days we planned to fish. So I managed to get those three tickets um, and the other boys had got three tickets on another day. So we were going to be like, I think uh, we, the plan was on the last day, Barn was going to go fly fishing nearby because he's a fly fisherman and me and Brad were going to share that one licence fish, one rod each. Okay. So we managed to get there in the end. Cobbled it together. Cobbled it together. Anyway, we go out there, we break it up with a trip, with a night out in Munich. <laughs> yeah. That was very fun. We got hammered. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was great. It, 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 the night ended with a, f- the night ended with, the last thing we will remember was me and Barn fighting in the street because Barn got offended because Brad said that he definitely couldn't beat me in a fight. So then, so then Barn wanted to prove that he could have a fight. And it ended with me like sat on top of him in the middle of Munich, but all of us were pretty drunk. So we yeah. don't really remember, but I can't remember where we were and we looked at it the next day and it was like the middle of a square, <laughs> like when you're throwing out time, we must've just been like, the th- like no one really remembers looking out and seeing people, but it would just been the three of us. Spot the English. Play fighting. There the is. Everyone would just been staring at us. It was, oh, it was terrible. But the actual, that was the last thing we remember. And then the next day when we looked on our phone, there's a photo of me like halfway up some scaffolding, like hanging out terrible, really, really bad. Drink it's res- like the hangover. Drink, drink responsibly. We definitely didn't. <laughs> it was terrible. And none of us remember it. And like we wake up the next morning, we're all, you know, when you're at breakfast and no one's saying a word and you're just like, oh my God. The silence speaks volumes. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we had, thankfully it was only like a four or five hour drive from, oh. from, from Munich onto Bled. 
got out of the way, got to Blair, and we were like, this is why we've come. This is why we're here. It was just turquoise water, 35 degrees. We quickly set up the base camp. Uh, we brought, yeah, we brought a base camp. So we had that up with, we were camping. Um, yeah. There. Set that up, got in the water, just chilling, hangover cured. Uh, went out that night, got hammered again. Uh, <laughs> got back, woke up in like sweating out in this base camp, went swimming oh. again. Um, and then the next day was going to be the first fishing day. We went out that night, got hammered. <laughs> so like three nights on the bounce here, it was pretty bad. But uh, we were there on holiday, weren't we? Like three fucking 20-something lads. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we get fishing and um, this was the this was the day where me and Barn, like it was the only day where we did a full day. Um, so we got there. Gasper kind of recommended a spot to us. Oh, the legend, the, the king legend of blood. Gasper, what a guy. Yeah. Um, he recommended a spot to us and... Uh, we got there, got the rods out, then Gasper went to work. Uh, then Gasper came back later. I'll tell this story because it's quite a funny one. Um, so we got the rods out. Rod's been out all day. No issue with swimmers. We just made sure the rod tips went, were, uh, so, what did we do with the line? Something so weird. Like them fi- or not? No, nah, it's too far. We were fishing like 140. Oh, we were fishing long? I, I, I wow. think Barn was fishing a little bit shorter, like 110s, but I was fishing 140 because that's where Gus was like, long, long, as long as you can. I was thinking, fuck, I can't think it's longer than that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm maxed out here. Yeah, uh, I use those new LR reels. They're fucking, yeah, they're yeah, yeah. proper good for long distance casting. That's the first time I used them. They were the one. So, uh, yeah, I managed to get them out there. Uh, I think basically where they were coming in, we made sure the rod tips were up high so that no one would be swimming. They would, they would be out of the water where people were coming in and they yeah. wouldn't knock them. But we didn't have any issues with swimmers until Gasper shows up, comes back from work. Uh, he sits down, has a few beers with us. And uh, anyone who comes within like 10 metres, he's like, hey, motherfucker, watch the rods, motherfucker. <laughs> and all these like tourists from all over the place, some don't speak <laughs> English. It's like, why the fuck is this Slovenian man shouting at me? Um, and then... Poor little French guy comes along in a oh, boat, no. rowing towards us. Gasper's giving him a load of abuse, telling him to get the fuck out of the way. This guy didn't speak any, um, of course not. any English. English. Gasper's yelling at him from the bank. We've got 50, 60 swimmers behind you, all just watching. And we're like, oh my God, this is embarrassing. He takes out all the lines. <gasps> Gasper's laying into him. Now, motherfucker, watch where you're going. You should be 20 meters from the bank. Fuck you, fuck you. And then this guy being shouted at doesn't know why he all of a sudden's like what fuck you Gasper Gasper's quick to temper at times yeah. he turns around to me hold my rod oh he's holding no. his rod at this point I grab his rod he dives into the water this is in scan in front of 50-60 people the most aggressive front crawl you've ever seen out to the guy in the boat's like what the fuck <laughs> all of a sudden starts paddling away Gasper will catch up with him a little bit then the guy will get away he's just giving <laughs> loads of abuse still going going and it's just going down the bank you just hear him shouting at each other I'm just like what the fuck with us there like should we get our rods back yeah, out then yeah let's back out everyone just stand at us and then Gasper comes back goes motherfucker if I catch him I flip the boat <laughs> like, good job you didn't catch him then Gasper it was Jesus, just a bit like oh mate. my god so we hadn't caught anything. I think um, Barnard had a catfish. So it's slow going to start with. And then classic bled, it seems. As soon as it starts to get dark, the mm. bite started coming. And I think that night, my first, we all said, what do you want on the way over there? What would you like to catch? And we all, Barn, who's not done loads of carp, he's like, I just want to catch one. Uh, Brad, I think, was like, I'd like a new PB. And I was like, I'd like to catch a 20 kilo. I'd like to catch one big one. Um, because we, like, we're not going to fish 
it's it's part it's of an it. add-on in it it's an add-on we're there for the holiday like we're, we're there for a week we fished i don't know like 12 hours basically in the end yeah um so that would definitely was a target but that's what we all said we wanted and yeah first fish was i wanted one of the old mirrors you can see, you know when they've got like these crinkly heads where all like wrinkles yeah. that's what i wanted and yeah got this bite like i said out at mega range you're fishing 12 pound bullet mono because to get the cast in with a shot leader so it's all feeling a bit tetchy you can feel the weight to it it's stretched the max uh eventually yeah rolls in and to see this big wrinkly head come in as i'm netting it and that's what i wanted that is what i wanted uh, first bite first bite 45 pound yeah wow. uh so and then I, you fishing over bait there load of bait or you just literally went quite out. a bit um yeah. yeah so it's like yeah as much as you can get out throughout the course of the day it's fucking hard work that is hard work at that yeah, range yeah probably ends up being like five six kilos uh that you're putting out yeah Probably a little bit over the Is limit. it quite... Because it's relatively... It's deep, isn't it? 55 foot we're fishing in. 55 yeah. foot? Because I, 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 I was saying to Gasper, I was like, Gasper, this is a long drop. Are you sure they feed here? He's like, bro, I know they feed here. I put my baits, they eat. It'd be like, fair enough. I wouldn't argue with them anyway, but it sounds yeah. right. 55 <laughs> foot in fucking... 55 foot baking hot day. Yeah. On dark. Yeah. 45 and, pound original And job. I started doing... Because um, you can do that thing where calculate because that way you need to calculate the swing back yeah you're gonna feel it down and gasper in the end was just what they do over there is once they hit the clip and it's down they just take it out the um clip and just let it fall and i was just like oh i can't do that that's not very english what whoa 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 so they chuck it once it's hit the clip they, they take it, it out feather it hit the clip as soon as it hit the clip they take it out and just let it free fall oh my god yeah no, you're like no, in your head no, you're like no, but this no. is where i'm going back to put the effort in the right areas and don't it's a confidence thing why would that why could you not do that because I feel like it's going to drop like a bag of spanners yeah, and I need the you're fishing some balanced hook, hook bait and, and, a, and, and stiff skin link and in the end I was just like yeah why the fuck am I trying to figure out the swing back and I'm like there put it on my phone trying to figure out Pythagoras theorem I'm like fuck that Gasper catches shitloads of carp here doing yeah. that I'm just going to do it and that's what I did and I'd recommend everyone to do it. Just make sure you fish with a stiff hook link. That's it. Free fall, mate. Yeah, just free fall. I suppose you do it out of a boat. It's exactly. You do it out of a boat. I do it out. If I was baiting pole, that I'd exa- I don't feel it on a drop on a baiting pole because I don't want it to swing away from the bait. I do exactly the same thing. I've never had any issues. I just like fuck it. I'm fishing with a balanced hook bait. You got to crazy. <laughs> yeah. But it was very much like this is where I think like some people for a confidence thing they they wouldn't be able to do that. But then they're not fishing as accurate because even if you figure you think you figured it out, I still think you'd be a little. Oh, bit, you'd be off in that. De- off. That's a serious depth of water. You've got to get that bang on in you for fifty-five foot. You could have a cup of coffee in the time it takes that <laughs> yeah. to fish down. When you first feel it, it's like 15, 16 seconds. That's when I was like, Gasper, are you sure that I'm fishing? He's like, Bro, they eat the baits there. <laughs> All right, <laughs> okay, mate. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I was just doing that, and like you'd get it. The main thing was when they move on you, they, there's a group on you, so you got to get the rods back out quick as possible. So you quickly unhook it, get it back out. And I think that night, I had the forty-five Five. and the forty, I think. And then Brad has had one, a smallish one, uh, nothing for Barn. Um, but yeah, so that was that was yeah <laughs> the start. And then we didn't fish the next day. Uh, we didn't have a license. Oh no, Brad and um, Barn had a license that day. I didn't. So they fished that day. Is that when Brad has caught his PB? No, Brad no. has fished it later in the week. I think what they had, they had a couple of small ones. Yes, um, but Brad only ended up fishing. He 
was like wandering around the lake by himself for a while. He just like exploring. No, Brad got a paddle boat that day and went out to the island and yeah. had a look around the islands, found some carp and came back and said there's some carp around the island, which becomes important later in the week. Um, but me and Barn, then I was with Barn. Um, then Brad came, got his rods out. He had a couple of small ones. Barn, unfortunately, lost a couple that night. I remember being gutted for him. Uh, they just took him round a little bit round uh, this bend, and he lost two, which I think were good ones. But then he landed one near the end, like upper twenty. So again, he caught his fish. He was happy six times. Um, and the next day, uh, it was all of us fishing again. I think. Um, uh, I don't remember what the other lads had, but I had uh, the forty-seven common. Uh, 38 common and a 35 common, something like that. I remember having the 47 yeah, common and being well God. gassed with it. Uh, again, long distance fishing, same sort of spot. Um, and then we had that last day. This is the last day that became yes. important. So, so whatever, that was a Thursday. The Friday was a, like a last touristy day because then the Saturday was our last fishing day and then Sunday we left. So um, so we went out. We were like, let's swim to the island. It's quite, like, quite a long way, like four or 500 metres. <laughs> we were like, let's. we want to try and do it. So we did it. Brad was like, Leah, let's go. Because when I went out there, there's like this bit of a bar and this is where I saw the carp. So we all go out there, uh, so we're going around. Everyone's, bit, we get there a bit like, fucking hell, that's further than that's thought. long. <laughs> Barn's just like, <laughs> I'm just like, give me a second, lads. Anyway, we're walking around the island and we, we're seeing carp. We're like, fucking hell, there's carp here. There's a lot of carp here. We see this um, this bar that Brad's talking about. You can see carp feeding on it. It's like, like I said, around the island's really, really deep. But then this bar that comes up, mm. which is about 11 foot. So we're like, oh shit, okay, game on. Like, But I don't think you can fish here. Are we going to poach it? But then we spoke to Gasper later that night. <laughs> Apparently you can fish it, but no one fishes it because it's a pain to get out to. Obviously with all your gear. Yeah. Um, you can fish it, but you've got to reel in an, an hour after sunset as opposed to fishing till 11 around the rest of the lake. Ah, uh, so it's uh, And he was like, bro, it's okay, but if the carp aren't there, he's no good. So he, but but me, me and Barn, and me and Brad were like, their carp are fucking there. Yeah. So, like I said, we had one rod each for the next day. We were going to fish either Gasper's spot that he recommended where we'd been fishing, or another spot in the town where we'd seen a few carp, or on the island. And then we were like, fuck it, let's do the island. It's something different. That's a cool, yeah, yeah, something different. If we catch one, like it'd be fucking sick. Um, <laughs> so we go out there, uh, get the we inflate one of the because we had a boat with us went out with the boat with all the stuff in got everything set up i get my stuff ready first because it's only 40 yards out i was actually swimming i don't think you're allowed to do this but fuck it uh, <laughs> sorry uh, bled we were we were swimming out like fuck everyone else is swimming like yeah. why can i swim and drop my rigs so yeah. i swam out uh you f- above the bar go out swim down place it all perfectly uh it's at that point where it's really hurting your ears, but you can kind of get away with it. Ooh. And I've, I've realised on this trip, um, I smashed my face at playing rugby when I was uh, like 21, 22. And um, I fractured my eye socket and they didn't do anything to fix it. They were just kind of like, it would just heal. But there must be a weak point because after this day of swimming down so much in the pressure, I could feel it so much there and it gave me a oh, really bad headache. Oh. That was a bit of a horrible ex- <laughs> thing to find out. But it didn't matter so much because of what happened over yeah. the next four or five hours um so i placed my rig put a handful of bait down as well came back i was holding brad's rod uh, well as he did his yeah because there was some swimmers going past i was just lifting it past the swimmers he dropped it 
I placed it in the water, put a back lead on because you wanted because there's so many swimmers come in there, so many boats. You need to have back leads. Fucking horrible because you've got back leads going down and you've got them going out oh, over yeah. all this deep water and then it comes back up to the bar again. So it's a really weird line lay, but Crazy. because it's not that far out, you're like, oh, whatever. It'll be all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As Barnes swimming, as Brad swimming back, sorry, I get a bite. On your rod? On my rod, start playing it. I'm like, Brad, get back, get back. I've got a fish. As he's pulling himself up to where we're fishing from out the water, his rod goes. Wow. He's playing his. Um, he lands his first. It's like a good low, th- uh, what was it, like mid 30, something like that. Like, yeah, sick. This is wicked. I'm like, I think my eye could be quite big. Anyway, we get it in the net, same net as his one, and it makes his look like it's ten pound. <laughs> it was fifty-seven pound, oh, black, God. fucking ridiculous carp. One of the best carp I've ever caught. And you've got, I remember, um, there was probably like 70, 80 people around us at this point. I remember seeing this on the story. Yeah, when we're going to Brad, like Brad, mate, we need to be on this because if this fish goes mental and yeah. it, like. If we need to be representing the sport well here, because there's a lot of people here, and uh, thankfully everything went fine. You know what it's like sometimes with them big fish; you're a bit worried. And, of course, you are. It's a lot of responsibility. But um, but no, it was all good. Um, yeah, did the photos, and then the next like four hours was just get the rod back out, going ten fifteen minutes. Get the rod back out, going ten fifteen no, minutes. That quick on that yeah, bar? Yeah, I think I had I had the thirty five, thirty six. Is with minute. I had a couple of small ones, and but Brad did really well. He had a lot lot of fish. Uh, nothing big until his last one, which was like 46, which yes, is his new PB. Yes, that's the one I've seen. Yeah, yeah, okay, cool. Um, so, Brad, everyone got what they wanted on that trip. That island, mate, was fucking amazing. It was so, so fun. That sounds the one, mate, 40 yards swimming it yeah. out to a bar. Mm. Sounds much better than it 140 was beautiful, yards. Mate. And you got all these people asking, oh my God, what? F-? So many Americans, like, what fish is that? That's incredible. How did you catch it? And you just telling everyone everything, you get all these cool shots with everyone in the background. Yeah, they're cool shots. Yeah, mate, yeah. it was. Um, Oh, it was just so much. It was the perfect end to the trip. Like really, really good. And Gasper was right because he's fished it since then because I don't think he thought it could be that good. He had a couple of bites. He had a couple of all right mornings. But then he said when people showed up, it started to go dead. And he said since then, a lot of people have gone over and fished it and the carp have just gone. Mm. And this is where bled doesn't feel that big, like I said before, because it's it's a big lake. You can walk around in about three hours. So it's not like massive, especially by European standards. But it's also in sections. Every there's like four or five sections, and you kind of cut them up into those sections in your head. And if they're in that section, yeah, 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 yeah. you're going to catch them. Well, not you're going to catch them, but you're on them and ignore everything else. Once you're in that section, take it section by section. If they're not there, they move on to the next section. So you break down location. You got to like break that. it down, and it it quite naturally breaks down. Like you've got the town, you've got the woods, you've got the uh, the rowing bit, you've got the the camping bit where we stayed, and then you've got the in front of the um, in front of Tito's Palace, uh, which is which is where we we first started fishing. There's like five or six sections. You've got to break them down. Like, oh, and obviously the island now. You've got to break them down like that. That's how I think that's how you best approach bled. And then just once once you've found where the fish are, then just ignore everything else for that day at least, unless it's going terribly. Fishing that little section. I think that's the way to do it. And then it doesn't feel so big. Like by the end of it, it feels. Like, yeah, you kind of know it. You've walked around it so many times. And like I said, three hours, yeah, it's a long time to do a lap. But because you're breaking into the sections in the walk as well, it's like 20 minutes between each section. Yeah, it's, it's manageable, yeah, isn't it? It's not, it's not too bad. Like, 
Yeah, it's not. It's not huge. It's not massive. You completed it. You're gonna. You, would you go back? I would, but not oh. again for the fishing. I would because when we were over there, we were like, "Fucking, this is incredible. Let's do this every year. Go on a holiday somewhere where it's got great nightlife, good fishing, beautiful yeah. place to be, swimming. Like, let's do this every year." And then we're like, "Well, where the fuck has got all them four things? <laughs> nowhere. Yeah, it's hard. Nowhere. We were like trying to figure it out. Like." It's got to be someone in Croatia or Hungary that's got all that. <sighs> Do you think? Like, that standard know. of carp? Maybe not that standard of carp. Well, but, I don't but, know. But Croatia, but has it got this amazing light? light no. like, or is it some fucking lake in the middle of nowhere? Like, we were thinking, like, Cassian, but you can't... Again. Where's the nightlife? You can't... Cassian's massive. You can't walk around th- that in, a in like, an afternoon. No. I think it's limited to bled, so I would go back, and I think I'm going to put in the group chat in a couple of months, is anyone interested? Bosh. Because I would do the same thing again. Go out, night out on the way over, and chill somewhere on the way back as well, but like a six, seven dayer. Just because it's so beautiful. Like, like I said, mate, you don't. Even, it's not even there for the fishing. It's fucking amazing. I know Dean says he wants to go, but Dean's, a f- you never know what he wants to do. So Dean well. Hillings on Lake Blair. <laughs> can you imagine? You can take the boy out of Wish Beach. You can't take Wish Beach out of the boy. So, um, so Dean said he's interested. I'm going to ask him again closer to time, but he's a bit of a flaker, so... We'll see. But I would definitely want to go again. It's just, it's the, uh, when Alan and Ollie say it's the best carp fishing lake in the world, they're right. But it's not just because of the carp. Yeah. It's yeah. because of everything, mate. And yeah, it's a fucking beautiful place. Now, as if Bled wasn't spectacular enough, mate, very recently, you've come back from a certain um, long awaited trip to Spain. And boy, did that trip not disappoint, mate. Yes. Spain was. The icing on what so far has been a ridiculous year. I mean, we've even missed some trips so far. Um, so this year has been incredible. So just we, to we've have... missed fifty pounders in here, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've missed trips. How many fifties you had this year? Uh, four, five. Something like that. Uh, yeah. No, no, because I'm not in Spain. Yes, yeah, six or seven, something like that. Not bad, eh? It's done all right. Oh, job. Someone's got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said at the start, I've rolled in something. Like, it's been a mad year. And it would have been a mad year without the Spain trip. But the Spain trip was probably the highlight, to be fair. Um, I've been trying to do this for a while. Again, going back to what I said, it's about exposing yourself to other experiences. So I wanted to go to Spain for two reasons. One, I work quite closely with Samir. So I see all of his catches, all his films, everything that goes through. I see it all. So I see everything that he's catching. And the thing that always sticks out to me is his strain of Spanish mirrors that he catches. They just look so fucking cool. They're so unique to Spain. I've not mm. seen them anywhere else before. They just look so cool. Um, and I really want to catch a, catch a big one, basically. So there was that element of it. But also, I wanted to see what makes Samir the best at that European boat. Big boat, water, big yeah, water yeah, fishing. Yeah. I wanted to experience that. How? Do, what makes him the top of his game? Um, so we got on really well. Um, why wouldn't I go on a trip with him? So we've been, we've had it booked in for a while. I booked it. Um, I think March. I booked it in. Uh, sorted out the crossing from. Well, I sort, thought it was from Portsmouth, but I realised a couple of days before it's from Plymouth. So that added quite a few hours <laughs> to the journey. This is you know, I said before about how. When I'm well up for things, I'll book everything in and it'll be fine. I came back from the Frankfurt show and you had to... at, at like nine. Well, I came back at 9 p.m. I nearly got back at like 1 a.m. because I I was leaving the Frankfurt show early in the morning to get the crossing back. But one of the videographers from Italy hadn't arrived yet. And 
not that I needed to be there for work or anything, but I've not seen him for a while. So I wanted to, mm. I wanted to see him. I was like, oh, if I wait it out half an hour, see him for five minutes. And then if you miss your crossing by, yeah. they just put you on the next one. So I was like, oh, fuck it. I'll be fine. So anyway, I, I waited out a little bit, saw Richard. Hi, Richard. How you doing? Great to see you. Quick catch up. And then I went. And so I missed my crossing. Instead of them putting on me, it was like one thirty. got instead of putting me on the two o'clock one, next thing comes up, next available crossing, 8 p.m. I'm like, I can't fucking do that. Oh, I've got to leave to drive to Plymouth at 7 a.m. Fuck that. So <laughs> I took, you know, you got the little hangers with the with your number, crossing number on. Yep. I took that off, just drove through, didn't make eye contact with anyone no where they normally way. check it, got to the to the um, gate where they let, let you, you through. Yeah. I said, oh, I'm really sorry. I've, I've lost my crossing. It's I lied about which one it was. They went, oh, no worries. Okay, through you go. I was like, thank fuck I got away with that. Because if I had to stay here till eight o'clock, I then had to get back from Frankfurt, unload everything from fishing canals in Belgium, saw everything for a 10-day trip for Spain. I mean, I ended up leaving the office at like midnight instead, but if I wouldn't have slept basically if I I didn't. So that was me booking things when I'm all enthusiastic and refreshed. And then when it happens, I go, why the fuck have I done that? And on no top, logistics. And on, yeah. And on top of that, instead of driving an hour and a half to Portsmouth, I had to drive five hours to Plymouth because I fucked that up. So it's a long old way to get there. Drive to, to Plymouth. You can go from Portsmouth. Um, <laughs> get, get, a, get a 20 hour ferry to um, Santander. Yeah. Which was actually a blessing in disguise because I, I slept for um, 17 hours of it. <laughs> I got in, passed out. That's perfect though, isn't um, it? Woke up for a couple of hours and went back to sleep again. So I woke up all refreshed, ready to go. Had a bit of a ball ache when I got through because of customs. So they went through customs. He asked to see what was in my van, showed them. And I think where they don't get many fishermen come through, mm-hmm. not like in France, they're a bit like, what's all this cargo he's got? Why has he got all this? They asked how much it was worth. I said, £10,000 maybe, something like this. So I've got all the boats, the engines, all that shit in there. It quickly adds up. And they were saying that from if you go into the EU now and you've got more than a £1,000 worth of cargo, you need to have a licence that says you're not importing. If you don't, you need to pay the de- the import fee as a deposit. And then you need to, they take pictures of everything and providing you come back to the same port with the, um, the same goods, with the same goods yeah. so you get the money back. Oh, God. So that's £2,000 deposit I had to pay. Um my card didn't go through so I had to ring Dan to ask to use his card to pay it yeah so he did he's like you definitely gonna get this am I definitely getting this back I was like yeah I think so like you got no idea they don't speak amazing English but from what I can gather yeah I'm getting it back and I kept going to the guys like am I definitely this money I get back like see 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 deposit deposito I'm just like oh okay this (laughs) okay this sounds like it should work um, I'll take a punt at this point I'm just like just get me there yeah. because I still had like a five six hour drive got to Samir on dark uh, fish boshing everywhere uh, you can't fish nights it's like a it was a up in the mountains it was a reservoir built in like the 60s I think during the Franco era um, uh, yeah about 50 acres uh, I think they put they stocked it back in the 60s not, not done anything since but there's about 200 carp in there um, up to a good size they all grown massive off crayfish yeah um but that winter they'd taken all the crayfish out not all of them but a lot of them they'd taken out like five ton of crayfish which is fucking mental when you think about it like how much they apparently they closed the lake for three months and they were just a crayfish pot every like meter you never get rid of them though, there was still a lot in there yeah. but 
Five ton of crayfish. That's a lot of crayfish. How much does crayfish weigh normally? Like five grams? I don't know. You see those ones in the Cotswolds water park. <laughs> yeah, true. That's some massive ones. But yeah, I just think that's a ridiculous amount. But that's how they've all got big. Anyway, they're all sloshing out in front of us uh, that night when I arrived. So I stayed up with Samir. We had a beer or two. Went to sleep. Got first light. Samir had one straight away. Uh, 43 pounder. So I'm thinking, fucking oh. game on. We're going to catch one here. I had a few fizzing up on the spots where I put them out. Nothing. They passed an event for Lee. What are you doing? Like fishing little traps, like handfuls of bait? Or you, did you uh, have an start, area prime? To start with, um, we mixed it up a little bit. So we're fishing different depths. It was very up and down the lake. Samir was fishing little traps on a plateau. He was fishing a lot of bait in like 15 foot. I was fishing little traps in very, very deep water. I was fishing big loads of bait and mm. deep water. Really mixing it up to start with. Um, next day, passed uneventfully. Nothing. Uh, the following day, Samir caught one again at first light, a 48 pounder off this plateau. Uh, the day before, actually, I went zigging. There, were, there was quite a few out in this really deep water, like 30 foot. I was fishing uh, zigs for them, but nothing. Um, so we'd had two bites off this plateau, off tiny little traps of bait, like tiger at slush and tigers, uh, like just a handful worth. So you had both his bites. So we were like, okay. So it was the bait was right, and he was fishing a rod out to it. So we were like, right, let's let's move Round, round yeah. and we can fish out towards it. We can put a couple more rods out on it and we're not cutting that bay off as much. So hopefully more fish will come in because they seem to want to get into there. Like you could hear them sloshing at night a little bit. So we did that. Um, we fished one rod each on the plateau. We fished uh, a couple of rods out on the 15 foot. And um, when I was zigging the day before on the damn wall, it's really deep off there, but then there's a bit where it comes down and it slopes. And on this slope, it's quite silty. And I swear I could have seen a bit of coloured water, but... After watching it a little bit longer, there was a lot of bass about, and I think it was the bass corralling fishing. Mm. Anyway, that stuck with me, and just the substrate was different from the, all the rocks on the damn wall, and it was just something different, and I was like, I'm going to put a rod on there as well. So I put a rod on there, nothing for that first day. Again, pretty good, because we're like, we've moved over, like, sure, yeah, we thought we yeah. cracked it, but after some I had a second fish. But this is a hard lake, like, it gets a lot of pressure, because it's got a lot of these big mirrors in that we really wanted to catch uh that the, the like these big mirrors that i went over there for and when, it's got when you say big what what's known mate so there's five big fish in there like mm. 28 kilo plus oh, yeah that is massive. um including the there's a big linear how big is that linear uh it's like 31 32 it's not like a proper zip limb but it's got like broken scales down oh my god and then it's got a um the biggest fish in Spain. It's in the right time of year. It's like 84, 85 pound this time of year. It's not that big, um, but it's got a very big, it's got the big, yeah, the biggest fish in Spain in there. Mm. Um, I mean, Samir have been talking about it and so I know, imagine if we caught one of these two big ones uh, and you know, you never think you're going to catch them and the drive down, I'm thinking, oh, if, like it's fucking good weather for it. Like we could nick one of these 28 kilo plus, maybe even one of those two biggins that we talked about like that would be fucking amazing um so anyway that night woke up early got the rods out and after about an hour of having the rods out maybe even a little bit less still still dark um i had my first fish 27 pound that classic scaly mirror um not the big one that i wanted but fucking after three days blanking yeah well, you take that so i was gassed with that off the plateau no off that spot on the damn yeah, wall i talked about that spot um got the rod back out on there five minutes later it goes 
And it fucking beasted me for 40 minutes. I'm talking... 40 minutes, 40 genuine. 40 minutes, mate. Oh beasted the fuck God. out of me. Like, you'd think you'd get it back. I was... Because of the, of the rocks and everything, and because it was beasting me so much, I got up on the top of the dam to get a better line angle. Just so if it... Just so there was less chance of if it did dive deep, there's less... The line angle just means there's less going through where there could be rocks. Um, and because, like I said, it's quite up and down. I just wanted to have the best line angle possible. I'm just sitting on this damn wall, just holding it like you're playing a fucking shark or something. And it just takes like a hundred yards, but not like just a fish going mental swimming. Just, just, it wants to move and it's moving just slow and steady. Yeah. hundred, hundred yards. It takes, it did like five or six times. You just go, mate. You just couldn't do anything about it. I mean, Samir's whole time going, it's a massive one. And I knew it was a big one. I knew it was a real big one. Uh, anyway, eventually I get it in the net. It's fucking huge. Like, like I said, do you know the wrinkly heads I'm talking about? Yeah. That came up and I got it in the net. And so I knew it was one of the old big mirrors. Um, and then I, I rolled it in the net and it's got this broken linear pattern down oh. the side. And he's like, that's the big lin. It's the big lin. It's one of the best carp in Spain. It's what pretty much everyone wants to catch after the big in here. It's the second biggest in here. I've blown away. My PB at this point is 58. This one goes 68. 60. I've Mate, never I seen could, that picture. I can't so. describe how big carp like, what's the biggest carp you've seen? The biggest carp I've seen on the bank is 62 pounds. They're just like another league, isn't they? Well, like, it's ridiculous. And this one as well, like, the the big 50s I've had before, they've got a bit of gut to them. Yeah. Like, they've not got that length. They're, you can tell they're a big carp, whereas this one, it was the same proportion as a good 35, but just scaled. It was like it was photoshopped up. It's like someone just got Stret, a 35 yeah, pounder yeah, yeah. and just... It made it bigger. No massive drop good. No, no massive horrible. drop but it was a perfect proportion. It still had like a big shoulder. Like it still looked like it could grow a bit more. And it was That's just fucking huge, huge man. Mate. And just heavy as fuck. So heavy. Like I'm all right holding, like I said, like you, they feel heavy, 50, like 58s, 57s, 55s, whatever I've had those big fish I've had before. But you can hold them, you can manoeuvre them. These, mate, they're just another game. Like, I wouldn't know, mate. That's incredible. <laughs> it was what, hot. what rig? What rig you got? Ronnie Claw again? Uh, slip Ronnie's. So I fish oh. my Ronnie's with a little bit of separation. Uh, tie like a little slip D element to it. Just complete UK fishing. And this is why I go back to saying I hate it when people go to Europe like just because I'm fishing for big fish. Like, yeah, there's a few rocks about, but no, it was no more snaggy than... A, a UK lake so I was like why wouldn't I I remember putting the one, this, the float claw on going oh, I should, there's some big fish in there I should probably put a big one I was like nah I've never had these open up before size 6 float claw size 6 float claw yeah little uh, tiger nut uh, and a scope at squid pop up trimmed down hook bait handful of tiger nut slush 5 or 6 tigers job done it must have looked like an absolute pin prick in that mouth yeah uh, came out in the net Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my so I can tell lord! You, came out of the net. Yeah. That is an incredible. F- what is Samir's reaction to that? He was so gassed for me, mate. He was so gassed for me. Yeah, he was really, really happy for me. We had a great time. Um, did all the pictures. Actually, we were doing the pictures. And I got the rod back out straight away because I was like, like I know I've just caught this and I'm shaking, but I want to get the rod back out because it's doing bites. Uh, as we're doing photos, it goes again. Out of thirty nine. My God. Um, so it was a crazy, crazy morning. But yeah, we do the photos, then they do the 39, get the rods back, big hugs. Um, I've actually bought, because I was in Frankfurt the week before, uh, Corentin, one of our French reps, he gave me a bottle of um, champagne that his dad's mate brews or something. He's from that right. region. Um, 
And I, I brought it over because I was like, oh, you know what? Something special could happen on this trip. I've just got that feeling. If it does, I want to have something to celebrate with. So uh, You yeah. manifested some success Of there, course, boy. that champagne came out, got a little bit drunk. Um, yeah, just had the best time. Just kept looking back. I'm, I'm terrible for this. If Once I've caught a nice one, I'm constantly grabbing the person's camera and looking at them. Yeah, I'm yeah, really yeah, bad yeah. for this. And so like that camera was in and out of my hands for the next, the entire evening. And I just look at the photos going... Can't believe I've caught this. Cannot believe I've caught one of the ones we talked about. Um, yeah, how how do you top that? I don't know, mate. I really yeah. don't know. You're just on cloud nine, isn't you? Yeah, you're done. Done. But you've got the rods back. You're still. You're still. Still in the game, and there's even bigger carp in there. So, and there's still a lot of fifty-five plus pound carp in there. So, uh, we were saying we'll give it a couple more days, see what happens. When it dies off, that's when we'll move on to somewhere else. But right now, it seems stupid to move. We're on fish. There's a lot of big fish in here. Let's stay for a bit. So the next morning, um, get rods out again. Get back to the so the, the this rod is a little bit further down from us. We've got the main rods where we where the bivvies are, and then mm. it's a bit of a like a I don't know twenty meter run. Um, so in this main bit, it's about an hour after when I had the bite the previous morning so I'm thinking oh fucking it's died like starting to think maybe we move tomorrow then go to somewhere else and um, yeah it busts off again run round play it straight away I can feel it's a good one some ears in my ear going it's the big one it's the big one but I'm like it's not going to be the big one is it like it's a big it's a good fish it's probably like you can feel straight away it's heavy instead of like the previous one yeah the it takes loads of line yeah. it just took it was I got it into about 20 yards out and then it was going up and down up and down up and down um Again, it tended to have been about half an hour fight. And the whole time I'm thinking, about 20 minutes, 25 minutes in, I'm thinking it's a 50, maybe even one of the 28 kilo ones I talked about. Near the end, I'm thinking it's the big end. I'm thinking Why? It's the Just because of the, the duration of, of the fight? Of how well it was keeping bottom. Yeah. And like, it'll be times where, so it's going just back and forth on this same line. And then, all of a sudden it would just stop as if it was in a snag, but you're like, it's not in a snag. And I'm watching the line. It's just, just stop moving. And then it would just go back again. Oh my and it's not in a snag. It's just sat there. It's just sat there. Just going, its own weight. Just holding its own you. weight. Um, anyway, eventually it comes up again, that wrinkly heads there. So I know it's a good one, put it in the net and roll it straight away. And it's the big one's got this big signature scale. And we see that. And Samir goes, it's the big one. It's the big one. And what I don't know what I'd do, mate. After that first one, let alone after that oh, second one, I would just, you know, what, I felt a little bit um, drained, almost. Yeah, like, like it all kind of hit me, and it's different from because it's not like you've campaigned for this fish for two, three years, but it's still an accumulation of an angling journey in some ways, isn't it? Because that is probably going to be the best cat carp I ever catch, or at least in the top three, four, five in it, like. If I catch, well, if it's not bloody, yeah. well. <laughs> if I catch a good number of cop better than that, then fuck me. What yeah, a, what a life in fishing. I yeah. think that would probably be the best cop ever catch. So, although you've not journeyed for that specific cart for two years, it's still a, a an a, an end to some sort of angling journey, isn't it? If you get what I mean. Yeah, one hundred percent, mate. So I think that it was, especially after yet the day before as well, which is also a similar sort of story. It's. 68 pound public lake carp from one of the best carp in Spain. Like that's the similar sort of thing. I think I was feeling a little bit drained from the day before. Mm. It's always hit me. And then this hits me again. It was a very strange feeling. Um, Yeah. Really, really weird feeling. 
Um, Samir again was fucking buzzing. So I was so happy that he was like that and not a bit like, oh, I've invited him over and he's fucking caught the two carp. Well, because Samir after. hasn't caught carp that big in Spain, has he? Samir's not caught carp that big full stop. Samir's PB is like 67, 66. Um, so, How yeah. You're looking yeah, two bites yeah. there, mate. And again, that same spot. Um, and it was definitely that little spot because Samir actually then fished a rod to my right on the inside line and the left on the inside, on the outside line, uh, going down this this dam and he didn't get anything. I had I had another bite the following day as well before we moved. It was definitely something on that exact spot. Um, I th- I think it was, there was a little bit of weed, a tiny little bit of weed and I was fishing to the right and I think they were going up and down this, the dam yeah. coming up and they wanted to feed around the weed and they were just coming on the right hand side of it close in. Whereas when he fished on the right hand side, he was too close into the dam Right. When he fished on the left, he was the other side of the weed, and they would they would they would hit that, but they'd hit mine first. That's what I think. Samir thinks it's something to do with that actual spot. Who knows? Who cares? <laughs> Who cares, mate? Who cares? What a couple mm. of bites! They would be the best two bites if you you can't have a better couple nah. of fish than them, mate. So, in a trip, yeah. I mean, it went from within twenty four hours of me blanking, thinking I've spent all this money coming over here, all this time, like what the fuck to catching four carp, two of them being quite literally, well, one's the biggest carp in Spain, not its biggest weight. One's one of the best carp in Spain, like... 68, 78, was it? 68, 77. Oh, my life. They're heavy, man. They're so heavy. I wouldn't know, mate. <laughs> I wouldn't know what to do, mate. I'd be an absolute bitch. My heart would be out my chest, I think. Mm. I'd have a full heart attack. Yeah. That's an incredible session, mate. Yeah, it was... um. It was just surreal, man. What have you done? You must have, mate. I don't you, know. You've got to buy a lottery ticket. <sighs> maybe. Maybe I do need to. With your look this year, and it ain't, you put yourself in a situation, but the bites you've had and the average size of fish you've had has just been, even for the venues, have been ridiculous. Mm, it's, uh, yeah, like, I think it's going to be one of those ones because right now as well, I'm still not in a reflective mood over it. Right now, mm. like, I'm, we're still in the best part of the year for, for big carp fishing. I've got a big trip coming up. I've got a big European trip coming up. I've still got some European UK, UK yeah, fishing yeah. where I want to. I've got my main bit of UK fishing for the year to come up. Still, I've got pike fishing to go. Still, I want to catch some more big pike as well. Like until Christmas comes round and you have those week off and you can sit set settle back and really look back over the year. Right now, I'm still thinking ahead and trying to catch these bites. I think it will take you a while for that year to sink in, mate. I think so too, and I think especially what's fucking amazing is that so many of these trips are filmed and i think yeah. it will be when i look back on the films oh. and be like oh my god that really did happen that fucking happened uh, mate they're documented forever mm. and, and like in the in mm. the in the most sort of glaring of ways isn't they? you get all that emotion and everything in yeah. there. there's bits you forget about mm. like whatever but if they're on yeah if they're on film they're gonna be mega vids mate that's a ridiculous next year you, have you got the planner out? Are you going Not to go yet. for the same process? Uh, so I'm getting a bit fucked over because I'm, I really want this one ticket, but I don't think I'm going to get it. And I thought I was. So my year was kind of planned around that. So it's a bit touchwood whether I'm going to get that or get this backup ticket. So I'm a bit fucked for UK fishing. And I don't have any big goals for um, for European fishing because what I need to do is I need to speak to Dan and figure out what my shooting schedule is for next year yeah, to see what yeah, free yeah. time I've got. So... Like it, normally, I do it around uh, 
pretty much New Year, I'll I'll get the planner out and figure out what I'm doing and work it all out. I've got a few rough ideas, but um, no, at the moment, no. At the moment, I need to finish this year before I before I think. I love it. the fact that you're still focused on this year, mate. I'm mm. doing a year review of one of the best years of angling I've seen in what are we in October? At the very start of October. There's a potential for it to be even, even better. Yeah, mate. mate, that is genuinely incredible. Like, hats off to you for creating the opportunities and hats off for you for some incredible episodes of angling. Like, it's that ridiculous, mate. Just the list there and we've missed loads out, like you said before. Like, yeah, unbelievable, mate. Cheers, for you, mate. the endearing sort of, I don't know, the endearing sort of memory from it. Is it that Spain trip because it's fresh? <sighs> Yes, I'd say that's my favourite European trip. But I think... I think probably right now what what I'm looking back and what's flashing my head first is sitting in the... um, sitting in the boggy mud of the trout poaching lake with the first first £30 mirror I caught from the trout res and looking down at it and just thinking like, oh, thank fuck, it's all... All this effort's come good. Good. I think yeah. that's probably what hit, sits with me the most. Uh, but I think it's it's going to change as I, as I see the films come through and as I, yeah, as I reflect on it more, I think it might change. Like that that trout res session is quite far back now, so I've had time to reflect on it a little bit more, I guess. Whereas because the Spanish trip is still so fresh, I still don't think it's completely sunk in. I still look at the photos every now and then going, I can't believe I fucking caught that. That's not one fish of a lifetime, mate. That's two fish mm. of a lifetime. When I saw them come up in the old WhatsApp group, I thought you were on mm. a wind-up. Yeah, bled as well. Bled was fucking amazing. The 57 powder, mate. Slip that back. Don't even weigh it, mate, anymore. <laughs> you're, on to, you're on to 70s and 80s now. You're in that league. That's just outstanding, mate. Mate, it's an incredible year. People have got to look out at Nash TV because some of these are going to be coming out soon in terms of the mm. chapters you've glossed over and there'll be a lot more detail in it um, in the coming year, mate. But yeah, uh, honestly, from the bottom of my heart, mate, I'm made up for you because you worked hard for it and you created an opportunity. But boy, have you capitalised as well, <laughs> mate. Yeah, it's uh, it's been mad. It's been absolutely crazy. And yeah, uh, like I said, I'm in a very fortunate position with with work that a lot of it's been... Um, been been for work uh but yeah there's still been a lot of luck involved in terms of actually getting the big fish to to turn up on those shoots well um, long may the look continue yeah, for the rest of the year crossed. mate you might hear from this man again or see this man again on social with some more biggins thank you for coming in and sharing the year mate thank no you guys for listening i'll be back soon with another podcast probably with not as many congested big fish in a short period of time as that henry lennon top work mate cheers hassan